Welcome to Flickin' Cousins, your occasional podcast where uh, a couple idiots talk to somebody <laughs> who hasn't seen the movie they've seen and uh, see if they want to, that, that dummy wants to see it. Uh, this week we're talking about uh, the 2017 version of It, Stephen King's uh, famous story. I'm going to call it a story because I don't know whether uh, it is more popular as a um, TV miniseries or as a book. Um, any thoughts on that controversial Probably. statement? Probably a book. Okay. Well, then, <laughs> well, then well, just, fuck you. I mean, it's not. I mean, like Stephen, like Stephen King's like the McDonald's of you know of writers. Like everybody's. If I feel Stephen like King people... is the McDonald's of writers, then the it television miniseries was the picture menu of the McDonald's <laughs> menu. Oh, and I feel like a lot of more people saw the miniseries and read the book. And I, I will tell you, I never read the book. I read a lot of Stephen King. Uh, uh, by the way, guys, got to introduce uh, uh, Rico and Jeff Andreessen. Welcome, boys. <laughs> I love how I'm the only one that gets the last name. <laughs> well, you, you started it. We, we started a yeah. precedent. So whatever, you know, you're just stuck with it. Now. It's like a, it's like a bad nickname, you know, and in, in like, you know. You're the new kid, and you like accidentally fart on the first day. And you're called oh, no. like Farty McGee for the rest of your life. My name is Farty McGee. Yes, can we just have that be my real name now? Yeah, you can go with Farty McGee instead of uh, your that's real my, name if you want. That's my flick pals name. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but yeah, I want to talk about all that. I want to talk about Stephen King's writing. I want to talk about the miniseries. But I just want to get initial first impressions uh, right out of the way. I'll get mine out of the way. I like this movie, and I don't really know why. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know why. I didn't find it scary. Uh, I didn't find it... It was somewhat suspenseful. Uh, and I guess I like the kids, but the kids weren't even that... Gr- I don't know why I like this movie. I, I I just want to say that, but I did. It's really well made. It's a really well made movie. Um, I liked it. I I have issues with it. Um, and I'm someone who has like a love-hate relationship with the book a little bit. Um, when I first read it, I really loved it as like a teenager. And in retrospect, there's some things about it that really has not, it doesn't, it's not good in, in retrospect. Like looking back at it, it's really like, wow, you should have not written that, but there's a lot to love about it too. And I think that the move, this movie really gets a lot of the book and is a, it, it's a good adaptation for the most part, although it's not a complete adaptation, which was by design. Right. Um, and I, I think it was scary. Like I, I don't get scared from horror movies that often. Uh, the thing that, the thing that dri- I know, I'm not trying to be a tough. <laughs> what a badass on the, on the line, Rico. <laughs> I, I will admit that, like I jump. Like when things jump at me, I jump. Yeah, but like, that's that, startling. Anybody it, can startle you. Exactly, and that's what that's what I think that most horror movies use as a crutch. And this movie has a, a little bit of that, but it's it's genuinely creepy at times in ways that I feel like a lot of other horror movies aren't. And I think that that's that's to its credit. Like it manages it managed to creep me out a few times, which is it's hard to do. I think it's hard to create that kind of atmosphere and balance it with the type of story that it has, which is you know a coming of age story. With now, all what do you kids. mean when you say it? Do you mean the movie? Yeah. I mean the story. I mean the, yes. Oh, here we go. We're gonna do this all night. By the way, who's on first? Yeah. All right, that's good for an initial first impression. I do want to talk more about um, your impressions of the book and Stephen King's writing in general, but I want to get uh, Rico's. Uh, wait, you didn't see this, did you? 
Rico uh, on this one is going to be a complete dummy. While Rico's I maybe a dummy. Yeah. Okay, well let's let's talk about why you're a dummy uh, in this circumstance, <laughs> in this particular circumstance. Like, that's, that's really exploring. Why did you, you got Rico. you got forty eight hours? Yeah, uh. No, but why didn't you see this movie? Why didn't you feel compelled to see this movie? Because face it, guys, we we are not on top of this film. Everybody's reviewed this like three weeks ago, so. Uh, why did you still not see this movie? And you like movies, right? <laughs> I do. Um, I don't know that I'm as much of a movie buff as I could Ooh. be for being on multiple podcasts talking about movies. <laughs> <You're> a lackadaisical <laughs> movie fan that just happens to podcast about it compulsively. <laughs> yeah. It has friends who are, um, I guess I won't, you know, growing up, there were movies I loved, but I don't, I can't say that I'm a, I'm a true like cinephile that just says, I want to go see a great movie with a good plot, well executed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like when I was, uh, I don't know, there was like a, a golden age and, uh, uh, Jeff, I'm sure you'll, you have a different background, but there was a golden age where I would just go to the movies like all the time like it was like i guess i gotta i got i'm going to the movie like once a week i'll go to the movies once a week or once every other week and i'm like i guess i gotta see one of these shitty movies like the thought didn't occur to me to just like not go to the movies that week or weekend it was just like i made up my mind to to make the trip so i think i went through that period uh yeah there was a long period in my life where i worked in a movie theater right i worked at two different movie theaters um when i was in high school and the first couple years of college and when I was in grad school, so it was just, it was, sur- I was surrounded by it. Um, yeah. And even before I worked in one, I would go to, I would go to the movies like regularly. I grew up in a really small town with not a lot to do. And that was like my escape. And in college, I, that's when I, I went full bore and I started renting like old movies, cult movies, classic movies. And I just went completely insane on movies. And, and I actually kind of got burnt out on movies. Like it, it just got to the point where. <laughs> I I had I, I just felt like either they weren't very good anymore or or I didn't have the patience for them yeah or a right. combination of both who knows you'll never know that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing you'll never know because I'm sure like kid you know like people in their twenties when like you know you know Empire Strikes Back and like Return of the Jedi come out and they're like this is crap. And meanwhile, yeah. I'm three or four years old going, this is the best shit I've ever seen. These yeah. these teddy bears exactly. are having an Literally awesome adventure. <laughs> to that point in your life, that was the most amazing thing you'd ever seen. It, yeah. it pretty much was, yeah. I, I saw yeah. Empire Strikes Back in the theater. It was the first movie I saw in the theater. And like nothing ca- at that time, nothing captured my imagination like it. Right. Um, so never looked back. My famous story about that is, you know, I was just a kid. I was like four years old. I think I think we caught it at like, a reissue release in 1981 or something like that. Four, and, you, you know, were four years scene, old in 81? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, no, I must have been, must have been 82 then, because I think yeah. I was four when I saw it. I don't okay, fucking know. Yeah. Anyway, um, they seen the, in the, the cave when like Luke Skywalker sees the vision. Yeah, of that was Darth terrifying Vader. to me. I don't know about you. Oh, but I didn't understand it. So, I like, didn't understand it him, either, but I was terrified. He decapitates him and his head blows up. Right. And it's Luke's face. And I, I didn't get the Luke's face thing. So yeah, I just I thought either. he killed Darth Vader. And then he's walking around a scene later. So I whispered to my dad, like, I thought he killed him. My dad just goes, yeah, they built a new one. <laughs> that, <Jesus was>, Christ. <laughs> that worked my mind. I was like, you can just build a new Darth Vader. Sorry, I had to share that story. That's why you can't just, this is why you can't, you can't just fuck with your kids. You can fuck with your kids all you want, but your kids will be talking about it 30 plus years later. <laughs> In a podcast. On a podcast. Yeah. Or on a, on a psychiatrist's couch or something. Who knows? 
Yeah, that's private. I'm not talking about that. It's, but right. it was kind of a b- brilliant answer because doesn't that shut a kid up? Just, yeah, it's just, it's just shut, shut the fuck up. Like, I, we're in a movie theater. You can't talk to me. They built a new one, dummy. Watch the movie. Uh, I think the answer's in the bathroom. Why don't you go there for a little bit, kid? Scram. <laughs> go get us some fucking popcorn. Yeah, go get, go get a refill. Uh, yeah. Here, here, take my ID. <laughs> I, I do want to stay on target with, with it, but I feel like, you know, we never really target. talked about... Yeah, stay on target. <laughs> wow, what a pull. Good, good job. Um, Sorry. No, no, it's good. Uh, but I do I do want to talk about... I don't think we've... I can pinpoint my obsession with movies. Um, uh, it's it's same reason why I have, like, the sports team loyalty that I have. It's all my dad. And my dad would take us to, like, the movies ritualistically... Um, like the 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 budget movie on like Wednesdays, and his father was an actual projectionist, and it was part of the projectionist union. Uh, so like my dad grew up on movies, and he kind of infected me with that dependency of going to see movies on a regular basis. So I can pinpoint it to that. So I think that's my like why I'm into movies as much as I am, even though I I feel the same way. As Jeff, and there's been long stretches where I've gone like everything that's out is crap. I'm not going to see a movie. Um, I mean, even before responsibility hit my life like a ton of bricks recently, uh, I feel like I was still like I'm not going to go to the movies unless like five people I talk to tell me this movie's good. Uh, but let's talk about you, uh, Rico. Like you grew up what in like a farm in uh, uh, yeah, in uh, Colorado. Oh, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you say Omaha? <laughs> no, Nepal. Nepal, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I my parents were Sherpas. Um, no, so yeah, I grew up in a farm. So like Jeff was saying, small town kid or the town I was close to was very small. And come especially like middle school age, going to the movies was absolutely what you do. Um, so see, so, yeah, I I definitely had that time. Middle school, a little into high school, kind of slowed down in college i guess um but growing up i think i probably had all the same i guess probably every kid has love of movies because you know they have such a visual impact but was um, there any so, ritual or was it any any ritualized no, in any way there wasn't really any ritual uh but there was yeah no kind of like parents yeah nothing like that beyond you know our family would certainly watch movies um, so I would be exposed to movies often just being at home. Uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing tremendous. And I think for me, it, the movies that I kind of fell in love with, it was more as me as an artist. It was that side of me, um, right. where I think other people that, that like movies enjoy character and plot and all of these you know other aspects. And for me, it was always the effects. Was it the and, effects in, in like... Uh, design like looking at it like every frame uh, uh, like a picture or more just like it was more the the things inside the movie so not necessarily even like cinematography or the beauty of shots yeah um, it was more you know loving Star Wars because of the ships and because of the costumes and because right. of the props right. and aliens and Terminator and these you know Robocop those types of movies um, you know that's what my love of film that's what it was film film <laughs> celluloid okay well that's a great answer and let's bring it all back to why are you the dummy on this review why did you i know you said in general you're not as big of a movie buff as you should be mm-hmm. 
But uh, did the prospect of seeing a movie, a, a remake or retelling of a story about a killer, uh, child-killing <laughs> clown, that didn't appeal to you? Or, or not enough to motivate you to go to the movies, even after I'm sure some people told you it was good, which that happened to me. A lot of people told me it was good. So, Yeah. So you went. Um, this one, I will say I am much more on the fence with. Um, I think in general, I, I'm not a person that really goes to horror movies or seeks them out. Um, so that's something that I sometimes will like suspenseful things. Um, right. But again, I think it has to kind of cross uh, genres. We're like Saw. I really don't have a desire yeah, to sit and watch. It was awful. I remember being. In a, I remember oh, seeing the don't. first Saw, and like mm-hmm. everybody loved it. And me and my girlfriend at the time, we were both like, "This is awful. This is not no. good." Here's how you enjoy the Saw franchise, and I'm dead serious. Read the Wikipedia article summarizing their plot, because <laughs> they get increasingly convoluted and interconnected where the events of each movie are happening simultaneously with the previous movie. And it, it's like insane. Like you'll, you'll feel like you're going insane. Yeah. Reading these it sounds, yeah. It's not, it, that, what, you just described it. It sounds like reading a diary of a madman after he kills a bunch of people, they go back and look at it and you're like, okay, I'm reading this and it's starting to make sense, but it's, it's still crazy. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's hysterical. Like it's, it's, I don't. No one can take that. That franchise can't be taken seriously, and therefore can't really that be that scary because the 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 pretzel logic that they apply to it. Oh, it's it, ridiculous! Just from the get go, so ridiculous. Yeah, but even beyond the first movie is just like whatever. But like from from two on, I uh, I'm not going to go on and on yeah, about well, it. Well, two. Like, on, I mean, come on! I didn't want to see anything after the first one. I was like, what is the Dread <laughs> Pirates Roberts doing in the in this room? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody hired Carrie Hills again. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. He hadn't he been, got a job. He hadn't been seen in years, and he I don't think he was seen after that movie. Um, anyway, okay, so let's bring it back to this movie. We're talking about 2017's um, It, Stephen King book. Uh, Stephen King adaptations have been all over the place, mostly awful, uh, if I yeah. were to put a name to it. Uh, let's run through the good ones in our personal opinion. I, when I think of good Stephen King adaptations to film, as uh, Rico would call him, <laughs> uh, I would say uh, Stand By Me uh, and like that's about it. I mean the, okay, what was oh, the there's a, no, there's, there's, there's good ones. So like the, like Stand By Me I feel like is is a great adaptation. Uh, I feel like um, uh, The Green Mile was pretty good. Uh, I feel like, and then you have like your maximum overdrives that I think weren't even a book before. It was just like now, his, man, you're, you're- you're forgetting about Running Man for one thing. Oh wow! Well, Running-, well, Running Man was once again not a book. It, like he didn't he write that as like an alias. Oh, no, it was, yeah, I mean it. It was a book though. It was a novel, but it was under a different name. But it's still right. him. Okay, like, well, yeah, and that's a that's the most prescient movie in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I love it. I'm not. I'm gonna. I will defend. Yeah, Running no, Man. no. Running Man's good. Uh, but like in general, it hasn't been that great. And uh, most recently, uh, I think Jeff saw the Dark Tower adaptation. Oh my god! Why would yeah. you do that? Like it looked <laughs> I, awful. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, like my friend Jim curious. and I really love the books. I I love the series up and up until the last book, which is which basically yeah. just shits all over the I, entire. I do want to get into Stephen King's writing, so let, let's yeah. let's save it for that discussion. I'll save but, that. But, but like, but I was just a big enough fan that I was like, I'll check it out, and it's uh pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you remember Masters of the Universe? The yes. adaptation of the okay, so when 
a, a story that integrally takes part in a faraway land or an alien planet, and they're like, they magically come to Earth. And, and as an, even as a kid, I saw, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. And now I know why, even as an adult, it's just a fucking like, uh, budgetary thing. Like it's the, a cheap device. It's yeah. a cheap I, device. Now I will not. I mean, in in the Dark Tower series, and I, I enjoyed the book. Uh, we'll get into that more later. But uh, it's there is moments where they do go into the quote unquote real world. But the yeah, most but it's of not time, like fucking Grand Central Station where right. they just like do it every other second. Like it's this movie makes it ridiculous. They're popping in between like like it's nothing. And I imagine um, it's like Roland have a Big Mac, a big what? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot Two of Two all beef yeah. patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese. <laughs> like, it's not like quite it's just that a, bad, No, you know what I mean, uh, though. It's like, you know, when the crocodile... Oh, in my world, we call them a <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. El Macarino. <laughs> there's yeah. a, can, I just, can I just ruin the whole movie for yeah, you? So you go ahead. This, Spoiler alert, is, guys. We're going to be ruining it and about, the Dark Tower about. movie. So the, first, the first like 15 minutes there are definitely some red flags but i actually liked some of it i was like all right this isn't as bad but there's a moment when mcconaughey who plays the man in black aka walter aka the, the, i don't know the devil kind of yeah, like worse than the right. devil the man in black whatever hero. yeah so he comes to White. new york city looking for jake um who's his kid that roland's going to protect but anyway he passes this this mom and her daughter sitting on a park bench and they're like having this nice, cute, friendly conversation. And as he passes, he just looks at the little girl and he goes, hate. And her eyes go black and she just starts bitterly arguing with her mom. What? <laughs> that, is, that is just dumb. I have never heard. And it, it just like at that moment, I was like, oh, this movie's going to suck so <laughs> hard. And Wait, it, how far in did that happen? It's like 20 minutes in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And that was like all I needed to know. That was basically like, oh, th- they we're not recovering from this. Like, this is just going to be. You had the eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah quite, so, exactly. uh, uh, all right. So, in defense of the Dark Tower, the story, it starts off as a simple tale. And it is truly one of these things where I think Stephen King just let his. He just followed his muse. Like, it starts off with uh, whatever his it was the gunslinger. Cocaine, what? <laughs> I said his muse being cocaine. Yeah, there's, okay, there's yeah. definitely some cocaine oh, yeah, there's in co- people when I couple. when I when I read reviews of this movie and they talked about it and they said it's definitely cocaine uh, fueled. It was that time of his life too. Um, but it, but I, it was a little bit later actually. I think he was recovering at that point, but well, I can't. Who knows? He could have relapsed. I don't know. Regardless, so the Dark Tower starts with like I think a line very similar to uh, the man acro- the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger pursued him, and that's that's the simple pl- the simple thing, and it's like a post apocalyptic world in which everything is like uh, it's a western night, like medieval night and a western cowboy kind of like combined. That's it. And he's going after a man in and black. It's very that's, simple. That's it. It's a very yeah. simple concept, and it's there is a kid. And Roland has to sacrifice him in order to proceed with his life or to become, you know, just this pursuit proceed of becoming. Proceed with his obsession. Proceed with his obsession. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, but that's, but this is his, beca- like, he's like, this is what I got to do. And, you know, he makes a choice. Uh, and, yeah. and I feel like, and he hits it again later when they talk about, they, there's like a whole book where it's a flashback of him becoming like a, a, a cowboy knight. And he sacrifices his, uh, like, falcon. And it's the same theme. It's just like the kid. He's, like, sacrificing uh, children, uh, innocent creatures like his falcon, to get to his obsession, which is, I guess, being a good guy. Um, 
Mm, is or that it? whatever. I don't know. It's his whatever his concept of being a good guy is. Whatever he feels like his like his compulsion is. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, regard. I don't want to get too far into this, but uh, I, I it it's the tower. Like he's obsessed with the tower. Um, yeah, but what is the tower? It's him. He is the tower. Well, it's like I feel like it's it's I, him I mean, becoming. It's, the, it's him becoming though. Series? It's like his. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what? Okay. This is not a review of the Dark Tower, but let's go ahead and ruin it. I, I think, like, I think the Tower is his destiny, and it it, it is also his like uh, kind of very selfish um, uh, ambition too. Like, not only is it something, not only is it a goal, but it's a vaulted goal. Uh, you know, being a tower, it's the center of everything. It's him. It's his ego. It's his fulfillment, and nothing's going to get in his way. In his pursuit of it, but he thinks right. he's a good guy. I think he thinks he's a good guy, but yeah. I, I also don't think he gives a shit about being a good guy. I think that I think that the characters that he meets along the way um, make him make him like realize the importance of being quote unquote good, right? But that's uh, that's all the more reason why losing them as he does hints to the selfishness that you were talking about. But at the same time, the very ending of, of the series, and which is the only part, the only, only part of that last book that I like, because the rest of it is god-awful. Um, yeah. But basically what happens is he gets to the tower, he goes to the top, and he starts all over again. Yeah. And for me, that, that basically means that he is the tower, meaning that if he doesn't keep doing this cycle and over and over again, the, the tower will be corrupted and fall. So he has to, he has, his hell essentially is, always being obsessed with this thing. Yeah. And it's kind of narcissistic. It's oh, like yeah. This, it's yeah, this, absolutely it is. This ultimate narcissistic journey about being obsessed with yourself because, like, that's essentially what it is. But I feel um, like he can't, like, I feel like in a way he is, he doesn't have control. Like, I feel like the person he is. No, I is, agree. Yeah. Uh, he, like, he is kind of a victim of he's his a, own destiny. He's a tragic hero, I right. think. Definitely, yes. And so it's, it's possible. It's possible that one day they hint. They hint that the king hints at the fact that he might, you know, get it one day and decide decide to give up his quest and go with his friends. But you got to think about what the, what would the consequences to that be? Because if that happens, the whole then world would crumble. The whole universe, right? I mean, it's it's like every every world would crumble. So yeah, like, it's like, hey, I want to go off and be a a, a lifeguard at at forty five. <laughs> And fuck my life, my whole the whole right. world can crumble. Uh, but that's what I need to. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I understand it's a relatable story, and um, I appreciate. Uh, and and this is a tie into our other podcast, The Shame of Thrones, where we just talk about uh, a Game of Thrones and also the Ice and Fire, the book series it's based off of. Stephen King, in order to complete that that book series, it gotten out of hand, and he got hit by a car. Famously, got hit by a car. And when he recovered, he's like, I can't die and not have this finish. So I feel like he rushed his story, and it wasn't a very good story. As you said, the last book was pretty awful, but at least he finished it. So yeah. I, I, I kind of have to give him credit for that. <laughs> King, uh, King, here's my issue with Stephen King. I grew up reading Stephen King. Uh, I would say, I think it's fair to say I'm a lapsed Stephen King fan. I, it's not that I dislike him and his writing, but his biggest criticism well, there's a few criticisms you can hit him with. He's got a lot of bad tropes that he uses, a lot of bad tropes. Um, but he's still, I still think, I still call him a good writer. I think um, his biggest, he's, my he's, biggest criticism of him is he cannot end a story. I feel That's like exactly it. I That's enjoy exactly the it. ride, but and 
Okay, so let's 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 transit. We are talking about the movie it, even though we've talked about none of it so far. I think Eric is like staying away from it, no matter what. Okay, let's let's bring Eric back into this. Eric, have you ever read any Stephen King novels or literature ever? Nope, (laughs) not a one. Okay, no. That's why I said I am a true dummy for this specific episode in every way imaginable. You might concerning be the one, one of all, actually. <laughs> okay, alright, so uh, since since Eric isn't going to be able to contribute much to the conversation about his literature, I, I want to I move on quickly, but I do want to talk about that's my biggest problem with Stephen uh, King. I like his I like his work. I remember one of his later works I got randomly after I hadn't read Stephen King for a while. It was called From a Buick 8, and it was about a just a car that just that was like any other Buick from like it was like an old car they just found it but everything about it was a little bit off and then it turned out being to be like a gateway to another dimension but that wasn't the story the story was about the small town police force that had to deal with this fucking miracle slash uh gateway to hell like and it like the people part of the thing was what actually made the story <laughs> worthwhile and i feel like with Stand By Me and with this movie, I feel like the, the like it it felt like Stephen King in the characters, like in their interaction. I feel like they did a good job capturing what it was like to being a kid. And you're gonna get these comparisons to um, Stranger Things. Rico, have you seen Stranger Things? I have. Okay, that so. is something I've seen. Yep. So this is very Stranger Things, but say, Stranger Things was also mm-hmm. an homage to you know, the eighties and the, the ETs and the Goonies and the time where this, the the original story sprouted out from, uh, Van Driesen, you got anything to add to that? No, I think that's, that's spot on. I think a cynical person could say, Oh, they updated it to be set in the eighties, not the fifties to make it more like stranger things. But no, I think it's, it's, I think think it's more of a fair point to, to say that stranger things was influenced by, King and his work and it especially. Um, so no, who cares? Like that didn't that didn't bother me. Well, yeah, I, and, I and, don't. I didn't really care for Stranger Things. Everybody flipped for it. Oh yeah, it didn't really do that much for me. So like it it means shit all to me that like people are like, oh, it's just Stranger Things. Like I'm like, oh yeah, it's you're an actually, idiot. Stranger Things was everything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I enjoyed Stranger Things. I enjoyed but yeah, Stranger I Things, but I thought it was overhyped for sure. Like people. Yeah. People suck it off like it's the greatest thing ever, and I think it's it's a pretty good homage. Like, yeah, it's like it's like uh, Super Eight kind of the J.J. Abrams movie, right? Like, but I, I didn't enjoy Super Eight that much. Like, I felt yeah, like I like it, Super Eight. I like Super Eight more than Stranger Things. Oh, wow. but, but okay. I don't know. Controversial. Yeah. Maybe I should give that movie I, another look. Eh, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I watched it again, I'd probably hate it. Although, yeah. Okay, so uh, wait. Going back, I want to point. I want to. I want to talk to your point about like. I feel like they made it the '80s to compare it to Stranger Things. No, I don't think that's the case. I feel like here's the, and I think they should have. I think they were hinting at this, and they decided not to do it perfectly. I feel like so. Okay, so the story is about. Let's just give a synopsis of the original story before we get into the movie. The story is about um, you know. Uh, kids in the fifties, uh, they discover that there's a monster killing other kids, uh, and it comes and feeds every like twenty seven or twenty nine or thirty years. And I felt like this was just twenty seven or thirty years from the miniseries, so I felt like this could have just been another continuation, and like it was another generation of kids getting terrorized. 
uh, but on the same cycle. But they didn't really do that. It was more of like a retelling, and they just updated for the target audience, which I feel like the its target audience when it came out, not the novel and the miniseries, was for people in their thirties. Yeah, uh, it's for know, baby boomers. Right, yeah. the baby boomers. I mean, right. And yeah. this is for, I guess, the Gen Xers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for us. It's for right. like you and I. And I and I think that's fine. I don't think it. I think it had more to do with relating to our demographic, uh, which also sounds cynical, but also makes sense. Like, I, 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 I mean, I think that it's okay to say that yes, that's true. They, I mean, I'm sure that when they thought like, oh, Stranger Things is a big hit, let's set it in the '80s. It, I'm not sure if that fueled their decision. Or not, but in in either case, it doesn't matter. Like yeah, who cares? I don't think that it doesn't really matter. You, even if you look at it completely cynically and say the only reason this movie is set in the eighties is because of Stranger Things, and they're trying to bank. Oh on that. no! Right. I mean, it, that's, it's, it's, it's the same reason why Stranger Things did that. Right. It, it's it's right. the eighties are the it, nostalgia it's a, point. It's the nostalgia more than any other decade right now. Right. Right. I mean, well, I think the fifties was were two. The fifties was during the eighties, right? Exactly. That's why we have Back, Back to, to the, the Future, right, right, uh, and all these different things. Yeah, um, Back to the yeah. Future is like a boomer fantasy, right? So, like, mm-hmm. it makes sense, but we're past that now, um, right? Pretty and um, pink. People, people who are um, fifty and sixty aren't going to go see fucking it in the theater. You know what I mean? Can you imagine so, twenty forty five when they're talking about the uh, teens, the <laughs> not the aughts, <laughs> but what are the, what are you going to call this? Millennials, millennial Jesus. time period. Jesus, these millennials. Oh, that's always funny to me. Anyways, okay. Um, so going back to this movie, uh, Rico, did you watch the miniseries? The TV miniseries? Do you know what do you I, know about the, I had the story? Parts, but I can't say that I just really wants you to have some connection. To this I, 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 yeah, no, it's it's no, fine if you don't. No, but I, mean, I feel like this is there's such... so many platforms. But I have no input on any of them. So yeah, it's I'm a frustrating addition tonight. Um, I, I I haven't seen enough of it, and certainly recently enough to have any input on the miniseries. Other than John Ritter was in it, and uh, Tim Curry was the clown. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You just you, that's that's all the takeaways that I have. <laughs> We needed a slow clap. <laughs> but, uh, uh, okay, so uh, I'll ask uh, Jeff, uh, the miniseries, what do you remember about it, or what is your relation to it, relationship to it? Or how, um, how do you remember it? I, I remember it fondly. I haven't watched it in a very long time. I think I saw some of it on TV like not not like recently, but like I'd say seven years ago or so. And I stopped watching it because it clearly not dated well. And I, I didn't, I wanted to remember it being scary because I saw it when I was young and it, it was effective. I thought, I thought that it was actually one of the better adaptations. Um, it, it made sense as a miniseries. It was actually really well structured as a miniseries. I thought, and um, it's a, it's a fairly faithful adaptation and, it gets a lot of stuff right. There's some stupid, stupid stuff. Course, Even as yeah. a kid, I was like, especially the ending. But the then ending again, was crazy. Ending, the ending of the book's not that great either. Right. So it's, we talked um, about Stephen King does not end stories. He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think it was good. I think Tim Curry was very memorable. Of course. Um, yeah. I actually I actually prefer Tim Curry's performance as Pennywise. Uh, I do over as well. This guy over this guy, um, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, and I thought the cast, the cast is this weird hodgepodge of like guys like John Ritter, like sort of like, you know, 
And, TV has been of the yeah. time, but I thought they they did a and good TV job. And TV superstars like Jonathan blow his brains out, Brandis or whatever. However, he died. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, that kid was a superstar, and he wasn't a very good actor. Uh, looking back, but I, I I will two points. Um, I went ahead and bought the miniseries on uh Amazon. It was like five bucks, and I was like, ah, whatever. I'll own it. <laughs> you know, same price <laughs> as, like renting a movie. And people would say it doesn't hold up. I don't know what you were expecting of a TV miniseries. <laughs> I will. I will ask you. Uh, From it, the holds 80s. Up, it holds like up. Early, it holds up as the 90s, best TV <laughs> miniseries of probably all. Like there's probably like it's probably up there. I want to say with the best TV miniseries because guys, you've forgotten what a TV miniseries fucking is. It is not a movie. People and I guess yeah. I've I heard a lot about this. People think the first it. A uh, movie was a movie. It is not. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, and for being a TV miniseries, it, it's pretty goddamn great. Um, and, but yeah, the second part where they're all adults is pretty rough. Having said all that, now, uh, number two, going to your point where you're like, I want to remember it as scary. I I feel the same way about a lot of things from my childhood. Uh, I remember going through the VHS stores, and guys, VHSs were, they stood for very high quality <laughs> super tapes. That's what it stands for. Anyway, yeah. there were these stores, a whole <laughs> establishments uh, dedicated to you renting these tapes and watching movies, and the covers of them would, I'd while my mom was picking out whatever, yeah. uh, you know, going to the horror crack. movie section. Yes, as right. a I child, literally had, I really, I literally had to like, like, gear up for it. I, yes. ha- I had to be like, okay, I'm going over there. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to face the wall. Right. Because it was, it was a wall of horror. Wall of and, horror and, movies, and you'd go through it and you'd see them all, and your imagination was yes. always. This is the point I'm getting to. Always more terrifying than the actual movie. <laughs> My sister, I see. I saw a whole bunch of Nightmare on Elm Street box covers, right? Right. And they had they had great art. They they always did. Um, and my sister saw one of them, and she told me about the idea that this guy comes and kills you when you're dreaming, and it's the most terrifying idea. Whatever you oh, think yeah. about that series, that idea is <clears throat> terrifying, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you watch them, and you realize he's just like fucking cracking jokes the whole time. Yes. And it's, it's hey, bitch. <laughs> There are some, I'd say there's a couple of decent movies in that entire series, but even the best ones don't even come close to what your mind imagines. Right. And that's my point. At them at their worst. So I I remember Ghoulies. The Ghoulies, the cover, (laughs) had like a troll, green troll guy (laughs) in like toddler clothes, I want to say, coming out of a toilet bowl. Constipation for a week. That is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, uh, it really was. <clears throat> like the covers, I- I'll just say, guys, you guys that are under, I don't know, 32, might not know the experience of just going through the horror movie section and letting your mind terrify you. Um, awful stuff. But that's the way I feel about it. When I saw the actual movie, I wasn't scared anymore. I mean, yeah. Tim Curry's performance is uh, disturbing, because he is actually like what a clown is, which is just a guy that you might know, like a, a drunk or somebody's molesty uncle dressed up like a clown. 
I mean, clowns are just disturbing. Like the whole concept of a clown. Yeah, it, clowns never really bothered me that much. I oh, gotta really? be honest. Okay, well, no. they disturbed the shit the, out of the me. The only clown that really scared the shit out of me was the one from Poltergeist, and that's because oh yeah, was, I watched that movie far too young. Yeah, um, and I had no idea what it was. My my dad took me over to one of his friends' house and. One of his friend's daughters was watching this movie and I just sat down and was watching it. And then the next thing I know, this fucking clown is pulling some kid under like a endless void under his bed. <laughs> endless void. And that, that was enough for me. Like, I was like, okay, like I'm terrified. Like, okay. but that's, that's really the only clown that's ever been. And that has, me. that has a lot of crossover with dolls. And I felt the same way about like your, 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 uh, story about Nightmare on Elm Street was similar to me being on the bus and somebody telling me about Child's Play. I was terrified of Child's Play, but that had more to do yeah. because it was a doll. So I feel like the Poltergeist thing was the the meeting of clowns and dolls, both sure. very scary things. Mm. I mean, Annabelle, all these like <laughs> evil clown and evil like doll stories synthesized that one goddamn Poltergeist scene, and it is fucking terrifying. I want to get to this goddamn movie. We are 37 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> so let's let's fucking Well, we've kind of started. Let's let's get into it. Okay. So So both the miniseries and we're going to talk about the movie going forward start with um a rainy day, uh a older brother and a younger brother um and the older brother sick or something. Uh, is getting the younger brother ready to go out and play in the rain and they build a little like paper boat and they uh, get all sorts of wax on it, so it'll you know not just get all soggy. So this is a very this is a very fifties thing, which putting in the eighties already a problem. I I wouldn't as in the eighties if my brother's like I'm gonna make you an awesome like paper boat. I'd have been like fuck you. I'm gonna go watch He Man. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest problem get the is wax. The, parents, wax. the parents are just totally fine with this kid just running outside. Yeah, running outside. Um, which. Speaks to a little bit about the t- the town being under kind of a spell. I want to talk it's to that point. Played uh, up a little bit later. more in yeah. in this version. Um, but I have to say, the movie starts off on a right note because when Georgie, who's 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 Bill's brother, the younger kid, brother, in yeah. goes into the basement to get the wax, I'm yes. like, what the fuck are you doing, wasting time getting in wax in the basement? Uh, but there's a shot of these two eyes watching him. Yeah. Um, that turns out not to be eyes at all. It's just something that he's imagining. Right. It was it's, uh, it's, uh, light bulbs. The reflection yes. off light bulbs. But it was so effective. It was. It was, it it was, was right very. I, I appreciated I like, that. That, for that is certain. a good shot. And it, it pulled me right in and made me think, okay, this movie might have something. I, I agree. Have to, because have to in the miniseries, he goes down to the basement. I think it was. Uh, I don't I don't know if it was Georgie or somebody else goes down to the basement. And it was kind of scary. But you didn't have that moment of. Nothing oppressive like fear like something is targeting you already right um which okay so georgie the little kid he gets this wax paper boat puts it in the um you know the road the curb there's water collects side of the road um you know funnels down mm-hmm. and he's chasing it so he's he puts the boat he's chasing behind it going like the ss georgie i'm uh whatever on a sea boat whatever i don't know playing let's pretend mm-hmm. in a yellow slicker because uh, it's pouring down rain, and it is October for some reason of '88, and that's important for you to understand when the main okay. story goes on. So he's chasing this thing around, and in comic fashion, uh, there's like a "do not cross" like uh, like barricade, and this little like how old would you say he is, Jeff? 
He's supposed to be eight. Eight-year-old slams headfirst into this barricade, <laughs> knocking himself on his mm-hmm. ass. And I don't think it was supposed to be that comical, but I found it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so like he's he was keeping up with the boat. Now the boat's like, I don't know, 10, 15 yards ahead of him. And he goes to chase it mm-hmm. and it's heading towards the drain. So bad news. Oh, no. His little paper boat's going in the drain. Right. Uh, and it, he gets there right as the toy paper boat goes into the drain. He's like, oh, fuck. My older brother's going to kill me. And then all of a sudden, a happy clown in the drain that's on the uh, road pops up. Saying, hey, Georgie, what's going on? <laughs> now, here's where I have to interject. Go ahead. Because, because this is why I think that, that uh, this is one of the movie's faults, I think. Because this guy, he's terrifying. He's terrifying through and through yeah. from the beginning. And there's no fucking way that any eight-year-old would see right. this thing and not hightail it the fuck mm-hmm. out of there yeah. immediately. And I'm, it's, it's good that he's terrifying to an extent. But the one reason I'll, I'll credit Tim Curry's performance is when he pops up in the sewer, he, like you said, he's just a fucking clown. He's a guy. Like, he's oh, like whatever. a stranger. He's, a, he's, he's just a guy. He's just a stranger. Yeah. Like he, They make him a clown, but he could just be a stranger that a kid meets right. like in a, a, in a very secluded area. Happy. Like If you're walking in the woods and a stranger's like, hey, what's going on? Here's the ball. You were chasing that ball? Here's that ball. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. like somebody, like uh, it makes you feel disgusting, and like you're just like it's a fucking stranger. Here, it's a terrifying Victorian-looking goddamn clown, right. like not even With, like, like a modern clown, like something like, out of yeah. like. And uh, and his performance is, I mean, he's like he's he's not like being terrifying necessarily in his performance, but there's there's definitely like something edgy underneath the surface and something mm-hmm. scary underneath the surface, and it's very mm-hmm. obvious. And kids aren't stupid. Kids aren't. Right. Like yeah. if this fucking especially thing if there's said, sinister right. tones yeah. to it, yeah, it's too kids much. gonna pick up on that. And I, I it kind of like ruined the moment because I was really enjoying the movie up until this point. I was kind of like, this is going right. well. And then as soon as he started talking, even before he started talking, I was like, no fucking way. Like this kid was so. Awesome. So Jeff made it to minute what two and a half? Yeah, and like, ah. no, I, I actually <laughs> I already got issues. <laughs> I, I mean, you know me. I got fucking issues all over the place. So, <laughs> so, so, no. uh, so uh, Rico. So the the clown's <laughs> trying to convince him, like, hey, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, you know, I can give you back your boat, but don't you want to come down here? There's all sorts of cool stuff, and he's like mentioning like circus stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and once again, I feel like the the, 50, uh, the yeah, clown that's... the clown being integral with the fifties and the time. I feel. It it starts to wear a little bit here because once again the eighties like clowns in the circus wasn't that big of a deal. But what regardless, right. he's trying to convince. It, him. Yeah, if he was saying, "Hey, I've got arcade games down right, here," right? Exactly. But but like, mm-hmm. and he tries like you know balloons and games, and the bond is like popcorn. He's us like. What about popcorn? He's like, yeah, we got popcorn. And the kid, and the kid, Ooh. little kid's like, yeah, I love popcorn. And and the clown like perks up. He's like, great, we got popcorn. Yeah, that's something we can bond to. So I kind of feel like they covered their ass again. Like even though the kid's not in the clowns, maybe he's never been to a circus. They still bond over his love of this treat, food, whatever. But at one point, the clown uh like drops his facade and like has like almost like a zoning out moment where his eyes go like crossed, and he's just like slack jawed. Like alluding to the fact that you know this is all a, a ruse or a mask that this and by the way, spoiler alert: the clown's not really a clown. It's like this weird evil entity. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's very Lovecraftian, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but he drops this trans-dimensional being. Yeah, sure, <laughs> alien, whatever you want to think about it. So anyway, um, so the kid starts actually. Freaking it's, out. it's true that is that the PC is that what they want themselves to be called? Did no, they come I, out say I want to be called a trans-dimensional being? <laughs> oh no, no, it, it's, <laughs> it's technically yes. connected to the Dark Tower universe. To be not to be like oh no, oh, no. Oh. And, and bigger point though, and what I like about the Dark Tower is that it is like Stephen King's magnum opus, which Every story that Stephen King's ever told comes back to the deck. Like that was like his. Uh, he was trying to like interweave his entire like backdrop for every story he's ever told in the yeah. Dark Tower, and I like that about that. You should definitely read the Dark Tower. Just it's not perfect. Just just be prepared for the ending because it sucks. <laughs> I know that's always the best way to read a bunch of books, so yeah. you'll hate it and. Like okay, <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> the journey, the journey is worth journey. it. Yeah. All right, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking, I'm sorry, I'm taking too much, a lot of time on this, but I feel like it's like, it's iconic. It's an iconic moment of this movie, and also, uh, uh probably of the book. I didn't read the book, and definitely of the miniseries. So, like, you know, he's given the slack jaw look. He's just zoning out like he's... And this is still when he's trying to pitch to the kid to right. come into so the Right, so he's sewer. in the drain. The kid's on his hands and knees talking to this clown in the drain. Oh, by the way, uh, one part I did like, as uh, Jeff alluded to, is the town looks the other way when these awful things happen. There is a woman, like, hanging clothes, I guess, in this rain on her covered porch. I don't know what she was doing. But she sees this little kid in a, red, in a yellow slicker talking to the drain she's like that's weird i'm gonna go inside and meanwhile yeah. the cat watches the whole thing because you know the cat's a smart entity i guess anyway uh so like <laughs> the cat's just it's just it's just people <laughs> looking the other way well, and I, there, I like that there's a yeah. there's a theme especially in the novel i actually think the movie doesn't have it enough no of of, of adults kind of of being of adulthood being kind of tied with complacency and and not really kind of caring about the evil in the world, right? Going and kind of hey, away from it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's the world. What do you want me to do about it? Kind of, right? Right. Exactly. It's just like a eh, nuclear apocalypse could be happening, but uh, ooh, uh, a new iPhone. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, it's just, and I feel like even the miniseries did a good job of that. Uh, in a certain scene where like the girl is getting like bullied by the guys and it's actually definitely sexual in nature and like a neighbor comes out sees it and then just turns his back and walks inside like all cowardly cowardly so there's this you know it's this one thing where this entity this clown uh is affecting the entire town or the other town the town is basically manifesting which is a a better way to think about it this awful <laughs> Uh, creature. Anyway, so uh, like the ooze via Ghostbusters too. Right. Got yes. It. Exactly. It's just like the ooze. Dan Aykroyd is right. Their aliens exist. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> so yeah. the kids creeped out. Now the kid wants to leave, and uh, the clown's like, "Wait!" Snaps out and is like, "Hey, you want your boat? Your brother is gonna kill you, or gonna you know, if you don't bring back the boat, your brother's gonna be really angry." And he mentions his brother's name, and the kid's like, "Okay, yeah, you're right. I need that boat." He's like, "Here, just reach for it." immediately right so he, the kid reaches for it and unlike in the miniseries uh where it cuts to black after tim curry's teeth grow the clown in this movie grabs the kid's arm pulls it down his teeth grow into sharp fangs and bites the kid's arm off and then we see georgie this little eight-year-old kid 
stumbling around without an arm, and it is comical. <laughs> I, I will say it's comical. Like, I, I, yeah. people are well, because upset. Because it doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Because the kid should just be like dead from shock, not like right. And that's what it's I, like a fucking war movie all of a sudden. Right, like, yeah, he's, he's, George, you know, people are people like, are like, hey, what? Day, he's picking up yeah. his own ass. Yeah, right. no, it it is because the kid's walking around and like people are like it's so shocking that they and I'm like no, if a kid if they portrayed a child getting his arm ripped off realistically, yes, it would be disturbing. but the kid like walks around like looks at his arm and tries to like you know yeah no it looks it looks really stupid Uh, it would be more effective if he was just dead if he had just died in that instant or or if he would have just pulled him into the sewer yeah if we would have just seen an overhead shot here's here's the really stupid thing about this sequence uh, like Georgie somehow manages to crawl like six feet away from the sewer, and then the clown's with his missing arms, arms grow. And then, and then Pennywise's arm like stretches out to grab him. And I just wanted to be like, "Motherfucker, why didn't you do that in the first place? Right? Like, why why what's did the you whole need this song and dance about him getting closer if you could just grab him with your magic stretchy arm like that? That I, it was a creepy shot, the growing arm. I'm not gonna lie, but the execution, I mean, no pun intended, with Georgie was <laughs> again. I had I had some like. I had some fears growing about how this was going to go. Yeah, they they really be on the sequence. Like the whole, the whole like campaign has been around the sequence. It's a very iconic sequence. Right. This was Um, it was almost like a a story in and of itself. This is almost like its own little tale right here. Yeah, and it's very fairy tale esque. You know, it's like a good this child being tested by this kind of malevolence. So, yeah, so uh, bites his arm off and then pulls him down to the sewer. Okay, so cut to uh, the next summer. So that was in October of, like, 88. It's the summer of 89, and the older brother has all sorts of guilt issues, uh, and he's hanging out with his friends, and they're all losers, you know. They call it the Losers Club. Um, And uh, I don't know. This is where I'm going to start referring to the Wikipedia article. Um, as far as the plot summary, go ahead, uh, Jeff, if you want to uh, flesh well, this out. Well, I, I have a, I have a tidy way to kind of sum it up Cut, since please. we sort of we we kind of spent a yeah, long time in the opening. Yeah, we did spend a lot of time. Yeah, but they basically it's it's three cycles, and the cycles are first they introduce you to the characters, yep. and they give you a little bit about their fears. Um, so, for example, uh, uh, Mike, right, who's actually I think the first kid that you see. Um, he has, he's like working with his, I think his grandparents, right? Farm. And oh yeah. To, yeah. That kid, that kid got short shrift like a motherfucker. Big time. Big time. Yeah. He's, oh yeah. That's he's one the one that he's the African American kid and they like, uh, he's like not even a part of it. He's, he's just like, uh, Winston from the Ghostbusters and he comes in late yeah. and like disappears and then. To be fair, even in the novel, he he kind of has a like he comes he joins the group late. Yeah, but he becomes um, like the historian that brings them all back together. And a, they, they gave he's that a more to, important he's a more important character, and they definitely short right. Him. And they not gave only that, a lot of that to the the chubby kid. Yes, in, indeed, and I don't I don't really know why. Yeah, but I don't whatever. know why either. Um, I think it's because he was the outsider, but I'll get to that. So anyway, they go through all the kids and they introduce them all. So Mike is like has, has to kill these like sheep, right? And you know what this is like, farm it. boy. 
Like, uh, <laughs> when you've killed like, animals. You yeah. gotta, it's going to come down to a moment where it's either, you know, like, if it's not you, you're going to be the one that's about to get, like, Right, you need killed. to kill like, these poor, harmless animals, or else <laughs> somebody's going to kill you them. in a pen. Yeah. <laughs> what and the you fuck out. you? Like, yeah, what's wrong? Is there something wrong with these sheep not to veer off too no, far? No, it's just farm. part of a farm. It's just like we yeah. need to harvest the the meat, whatever. They're being yeah. butchered okay. to be sold. Gotcha. There's butchering. Okay. In the next sequence, you see him and he brings the meat to this meat market in town. And the town bully chases after him and chases him away and says, get out of dairy. Clearly because he's black. I mean, it is Maine. It doesn't matter if it's the 80s. It's still fucking yeah. Maine. Right? Um, and he sees his version of it. And that's basically what the beginning is. It establishes the kids and then it establishes them seeing their version of it. And it manifests itself differently for every single kid based on what they're afraid of. So for Mike, and this is another change from the novel, he sees this burning, burning building and people trying to get out. And you find out later that that's his parents. His parents died in this fire and he was rescued, but they died, which is a complete invention for the movie. And I don't know how I feel about it. I'm a little... I, I Plus, don't they quite, don't they they don't tie it to the it creature because it wasn't like it was twenty seven years hard. ago because Mike's only like twelve. What I thought they were gonna do is in the novel, and they allude to it in this movie too. Yeah, there's this whole story about this this, this racist African American yeah. like club, and this these racists like burn it down, and a whole bunch of people get killed, and it's it's pretty effective, and it kind of it builds to the whole idea of right the people in the town. And how it is sort of a manifestation of the evil in the town, which is a metaphor essentially for like America, you know, not to be too grand, but that's right. the idea. Like this, this adulthood and this complacency breeds this evil. Like if you're not paying attention, if you're not fighting it, it's going to lay dormant until it's ready to take over and do horrible, horrible things. Right. I can't think of a more prescient message <laughs> to be out there for right now. And right so that's now. why another, another, it's going to sound like I'm really shitting on this movie and it's surprising that I actually ended up liking, but one of my biggest faults with it is that it doesn't do enough with this whole thing. No, they kind of, like, they kind of flirt with the idea, but they don't really, they flirt with it. yeah, they flirt with it, but they don't go full bore with it. Right. And this would have been a great opportunity to do that. I think I agree. They, they definitely don't. Um, so that's a disappointment. And then they totally, and they minimize his character by giving a lot of what, ha- what he does. To exactly. another character, which I feel like uh, neuters it a little bit too. By the way, guys, we like this movie, uh, but but, yeah. but but basically continuing just the plot point. Uh, yeah, there's several kids. One kid is uh, overprotected from his mother, um, and is basically on placebos. And his mother basically, you know, has this thing where she's uh, divorcee, and basically she doesn't want her son to like leave or grow up or. Uh, you know, leave the nest. So she's overly protective of him and has convinced him that he's sick of all these things. So you learn to find out that he's just taking placebos. And the way the it creature appears to him is as a gross leper who's taking pills and like, Mm. you know, looks like, you know, basically like a hobo and is, you know, it's that that's pretty terrifying when he sees him. Uh, Some of the other characters, there's a girl who's getting molested by her father. Um, all, the, all the adults, by the way, are portrayed as incredibly creepy. Oh, and um, okay. that's and that's a that's an effective choice. I thought I agree. Um, uh, and one thing that's the same in every Stephen King novel: the childhood bullies are regular bullies on steroids. Like even in Stand By <laughs> Me, do you remember? Like Keith Sutherland wanted to like you know kill people. He wanted to like shoot somebody you know what i mean like your bullies probably <laughs> right. wanted to like you know bash your brains in a, like or kick your ass or something like that i think this is a 
product of King growing up in Maine. Because the, the bullies are always sort of like these like kids who are living on the outskirts of town. Yeah. And you got to imagine like there's some fucking like deep in the woods Maine yeah. motherfuckers. And just because it's north around. of the Mason-Dixon line doesn't mean like people right. that live if, in, you know, the middle of the woods are any yeah. more sophisticated. If you've ever been to Maine, if you go to some outskirts of town, right. there's some scary people there. Yes. <laughs> like for sure. So, yeah. But I feel like the, it's very judgy too because those kids are always like the the oh, the, the poor yeah. kids are like you know what i yeah. mean like or like the yeah. kids that um in this case the bully his dad is like a cop who who seems equally awful too yeah uh yes. but anyway so there's this well that's thing. just implausible police are perfect okay so there's <laughs> so moving a, on another kid, another kid yes yes they never you know act out of anger or Anyway, um, they're never humans. Perfect judgment. Perfect. Yeah, they're infallible, like the Pope. Uh, but anyway, so there's a chubby kid who's new. So he's already new and he's chubby. So I feel like he's got a lot like against him. And the bully wants to lift up the kid's shirt and carve his name, his own name, into the kid's fat stomach with a knife. Which is the very. The bully wants to carve the bully's name. <laughs> yes, the bully wants to carve his own name into the fat kid's stomach. Okay. Uh, so once again, it's very weird, and, and this is another moment where like people drive by and witness this with like uh you know an older kid holding a younger kid with a knife and a shirt held up, and there's like an old couple who look the other way, but then there's like a um as they drive off, there's like a balloon in the background, so I feel like that kind of minimized it a little bit, like. I wanted it to be just the townspeople, even if they were being affected by the clown. This makes it seem like the clown was driving the car or something, or the entity yeah. was driving the car. But anyway, people yeah. were looking the other way. Uh, what are the other kids? Uh, Jeff, help me out. Uh, okay, there's Stan, who is um, he's somewhat ostracized because he's Jewish, and he's having a hard time learning uh, the section of the Torah that he needs to learn. Um, he sees this really creepy painting come to life, um, which is actually, I think the scariest thing. Yeah, it's pretty scary, but I feel like it was, it was the most like CGI. Yes. The most now horror movie like that horror movie monster. That was the creepy woman in the painting. Basically he passes by the, in, in the synagogue, he's got to go to the synagogue and his dad's like study or whatever the rabbi study is this woman with kind of like a Picasso face where it's like a woman playing a flute, but the proportions of her facial features, her eyes are all out of whack. It doesn't look realistic. It's like surreal. And that thing comes to life and scares him. But I feel like it was very generic. It was feels like something like would be a main movie monster and like, you know, sinister or something like that. Like just one of these things. All right. What else do we have? Like, and the chubby. So wait, what was the chubby kids? Yeah, what was his chubby kids name? Ben. And his whole thing is he goes. He's in the library studying up on the history of the town, and he he hears about this event that happened where um, I forget what it is, but this thing, this whole like factory. Yeah, it was yes. So it was like the lead work. So it was a you know blue collar town, and it was one of these cycles where you know he's recognizing the pattern that like every thirty years something really awful happens. This time it's a rash of child killings. Uh, and in like 60 years ago, there was a factory that did lead, whatever, made, <laughs> you know, pencils, yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Right. Anyway, <laughs> they invited all the kids there for like Easter celebration. Uh, so the factory exploded, killing all sorts of people and children. And he sees yeah. like like a black and white picture of a kid's head, like severed, blown up head in a tree. 
So yeah. he, yeah. So like an idiot, like an idiot, and it was an Easter. It was an Easter celebration when it blows up. So then he sees all these Easter eggs, and he, like an idiot, he follows them because why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. And they go into the basement of the library. And as he's looking for them, this kid starts walking down the stairs, and he turns around, and as he keeps walking down, the kid doesn't have a head. And he's and on. And he's another, smoking. He's smoldering. By the way. Right. This is another really effective scene. For yeah, me. it was good. You, you see it coming. You totally know that kid's not going to have a head. But there's still something about it. It's that a is dread. I, it's very ordinary too. Like they played it up. Like you could have been in this library basement. Like it right. wasn't. It wasn't an overdone library basement where there's cobwebs and like a furnace or something. It felt very yeah. mundane. Um, and mm-hmm. that's why and I felt so, like it was. So, yeah, the kid comes down the stairs, and there's there's little creepy things in the background, like when. He's just in the library. There's like an older lady in the back who's making like a really strange face that just just hints that things are off. Um, and it's not it's not like there's not it's not when she's doing it the music changes or anything like that. It's very subtle, and I really appreciated those little touches because um, it's smart. Like they it, they just suggest things. But it, well, like, and it, and it, and it makes it easy to then give all the adult actors something to kind of hinge their performance on. So yeah, right. that makes sense. You go a direction that's easy to adhere to. Right. And more importantly, I feel like it captures the, the feeling of being a child in which like you're seeing all these things and you mention concerns to people and they dismiss you because you're just mm-hmm. a kid. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, hi- it makes that hyper. Right. Hi- yeah, you're hyper aware of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And I think there's like a wisecracking kid who, who actually yeah. is, one of the stars of uh, Stranger Things, and I don't remember his uh, experience. He's actually afraid of clowns. Yeah, and they never actually show it. He doesn't see anything. He's the only one who hasn't seen anything until I think they go to the house, right? Yeah, right. And he gets into a room full of, like, clowns. Right. Like, clown, like, mannequins and toys, like, something from the... I thought that would have been a perfect opportunity to pull, like, the poltergeist clown or, like, clowns like from popular culture and i know like it would have involved like movie things oh and and this is something that i pointed out or i noticed the movie theater in the original miniseries was the paramount but because paramount is a competing movie studio they renamed it in this goddamn new 2000 or 2017 version that was released by um warner brothers i think oh anyway so all these kids are having these experiences And they all find each other because they basically are all getting terrorized by the same bully and the same clown monster. (laughs) Okay? So, uh, and at one point, they band together and the the African-American kid, Mike, uh, is getting chased by this, uh, the bully, and they come upon the kids all hanging out and they all form up and get into a rock fight. So these kids are just throwing rocks at each other, and it sounds and it and seems awful. But I remember getting into rock fights and thinking, "Oh yeah. God, I can get into real trouble. I could get hurt by getting hit with a rock." I threw rocks at kids at certain times. You get fucking angry or whatever, and they they, right. and they set this like fight to like uh, '80s like rock music, and it's pretty goddamn. Great. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, I like, think it is when one of the bullies just gets completely like knocked in the head. Right. It's like he should probably have a concussion. How oh. big are the rocks? You know, pretty like big. pretty big, like uh, quail eggs. You know, not quite yeah, like okay. chicken eggs. 
But like, well, yeah, and 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 multiple people get hit in the head, and they they get hurt pretty good, but not as much as you know, really getting hit in the head with a rock. Anyway, so <laughs> the kids band together, and they're able to defeat. Hey, that's gonna hurt. It's a rock. That's a rock kid. Right. That's gonna hurt. It's a real rock. Anyway, so this is the main thing: is like together they're more powerful. So like friends can help you deal with this awful childhood trauma that you go through. Your friends are basically how you're gonna deal with childhood trauma. Uh, both right there with. with- both with the bully and both with this clown monster, who is and, and the parents not being right. Uh, your parents, yes, exactly. Your friends are going to fill the void of your parents not being there for you. We should, we should mention that Bill, who's the main kid, the leader of the Loser Club, yep. hasn't hasn't come to terms with Georgie's death. Right, he's, he he's still feels directly responsible for. Uh, as he kind of should. He's like, hey, go play with this paper boat outside in the rain. Outside in the rain, yeah. And, oh, and it's the difference from at least the uh, miniseries. I don't know if it's like this in the book, but in the uh, the in the miniseries, his body is found and the kid is dead. In the book, he's just his body's never found. So the little kid, George, the spears is just missing mm. for nine. Yeah, months. I kind of. I feel like, I don't know, that seems a little more interesting to me than saying, oh, the kid got his arm bit off. Right. And, and then uh, stumbled and, around. Yeah, right. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's less is more. I agree. So it's right. a, a good change for the positive. Do you remember, uh, Jeff, what it's like in the book? Oh, he gets torn in half. Oh, oh. okay, cool. He's definitely dead. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely okay. find like his torso and. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cool. I have. I, that's so the I'm arm sure. is a step down. Okay. Wow. Well. Yeah. Um, way to church and, it up. I, I can't they, wait for the they definitely 20, make they 45. make a theme of the fact that so many people disappear in the town um, in the movie because they they keep like replacing like the kids disappeared signs on like the telephone oh, yeah. poles. Like oh, that. and and that was very uh, reminiscent of today's modern culture as well. I I heard somebody talking about this on a podcast today and how like they're like it reminded guys, me of milk cartons when I, when we were kids, right? Of course, <laughs> but like today, like there's like I guys. I know we've all moved on to Hurricane Irma, but people in Houston are still hurting from Harvey, and I feel like the the national media has just moved on to the next disaster. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm, yeah. and this is and this is no, what happens. And they, they point this out in the movie too. They're like, it's like Carol doesn't even exist because now Jimmy is missing, and Jimmy yeah. is the missing kids poster that's on top of Carol's missing kid poster. So it's like yeah, all it's- these things that like everybody just ignores especially because it's just like well we can't think about uh carol anymore jimmy's missing right the trauma of the week and and right. whatever you know maybe yeah let's they're, move on those other parents are grieving but no one else gives a shit right yeah we cared for a minute now we're done and, and, mm-hmm. I, and I wish they kind of would have hit that harder i i really wish like uh, they did it a little bit but i really wish they would have really hit the complacency thing a lot more um, sure, just like people literally agree. forgetting. Like, well, oh, you know, who's the kid who disappeared two times ago? I would even a remember. lot of that material in the book is when they're adults, because that's when they're really kind of wrestling with whether or not they even decide to come back and or, or acknowledge it that again. it happened, or acknowledge yes. that it happened, because acknowledge that it happened. Some of them are not willing to do that. Right. Um, some of them take take that unwillingness very, very far. Um, well, it's a survival and, mechanism, I imagine. It's a, it such is. a, well, such a terrible extent, trauma as a, at that age. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, veterans, look at that, veterans. That actually, yeah, that's, that's something that's missing in the movie that makes it yeah. scarier to me. Because the book is structured in a way where you're going back and forth to them being adults and kids. 
And like, so right, right in the beginning, you get the sense that as adults, they've made this pledge to come back and fight it if it comes back. And like one of the, one of them just straight up, straight up kills himself. Just like Spoiler refuses alert. to do it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so to, when you're reading the book or when you're watching the miniseries, that idea is so scary. Right. That, that like they're not, that the you guy would rather like, kill yourself than acknowledge a hard truth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, not hard truth, but facing, yeah, facing that, that facing a terrible, truth or a, a terrible trauma or like getting on the horse right, in, in a fighting. real logical, terrible way. Instead yeah. of exactly. just pretending that this never happened to you and now everything's good and you're going on your way. Right. And, <laughs> and there's other examples too, like the book for the adult section opens with like this, this, uh, like gay man getting killed by Pennywise. And again, the town kind of feeds into that that homophobia. So there's lots of examples of. Um, I don't feel you know. like this whole story is relevant to today's culture at all. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say, <laughs> and I'm hoping that the when they make the adult version, they'll they'll have more of that. They'll hit it, it a little bit harder that, kind of, with the social. Yeah, that's criticism. when it really comes to fruition, I think. All right, so uh, so basically, they 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 defeat the bully, and then they all like afterwards are like. One person, it was almost like an AA meeting. So it's like, yeah, this happened to me. I have to tell somebody. This clown came to visit me, and then somebody's like, oh yeah, the little girl, her, it's her dad like molesting her, but it's also her coming of age as a woman, and her dad like uh, not wanting her to talk to boys and being overly protective. And her thing is, uh, it's hair and blood. It's all like uh, her. Basically, it's a whatever. Not, it's a thinly veiled uh, metaphor for her menstruation. Um, yeah. So it's all hair and, and coming blood. of age. And puberty. Yeah, puberty. Yeah. Right. All that. Yep. Uh, but anyway, so the kids, like, they all talk about it, and the kids acknowledge that, yeah, this happened to me too. And they all have this bonding moment where they go to her bathroom, and, like, her father couldn't see the blood that's all over. Like, the whole bathroom is covered in blood, but he couldn't see any of it. Whereas the other kids come into a room and they're like, oh my God, what happened here? So they all like, once again, it's just more, you know, your friends being a therapeutic kind of like um, crutch for you as a as a human being. And once again, I'm looking at this as like Stephen King saying, you know, hey, this is how you deal with life and this is how you deal with like childhood trauma. It's friends. Um, so they all band together and they clean up the mess that only they you're can see. They're strangely complacent about it too while they're doing it, which is a really kind of weird uh, yeah, because it's just like another task. It's just like another thing that they have to do, like as children. It's like washing a car. That's, right. what, that's what the scene felt like to me. No, and, but okay, I think that was so. Effective. So wait, so I'm a little confused. So, okay, so the the girl menstruates and no, her no, no, guy girl, friends. Girl, What's happening? The girl no. is the girl is like hiding from her father, just kind of like having a like private moment in the bathroom. She hears okay. a voice in the bathroom sink. She goes to look at it. Her face is grabbed by. Oh, she also takes off her hair. She chopped all her hair. She off. chops off her hair to make her more. Uh, yeah, I guess mature or to sever her femininity from herself i don't know something well, like that it, it's clear that her father is attracted to her right um which in a gross kind of way and, in, and well, instead like, of like a pleasant way that your father is attracted no, to no, no. as a 12 year old well, girl. he touches her hair at one point so i think oh, she yeah. chops all her hair off to basically like an Ivanka way yeah right, to yeah. try to say 
back off, Dad. And then the hair kind of comes back through the sink and yeah, grabs her. Yeah, so the hair comes out of the sink that she washed down the sink and grabs her head and holds it towards the sink. And then the sink vomits blood into her mouth and her face and sprays all oh, over God. the... But And then she screams like crazy. Her dad comes into the room. Dad doesn't see any of the blood. And he once again creeps her out saying, you're still my little girl, right? Uh, yeah. So, okay. like, this is a trauma that she's experiencing that her dad doesn't see no one it sees. She's all by herself. But once again, she brings her friends into the room and they share. They're like, oh, this is awful. Let's help you. Let's help you out with this situation. Okay. So, that's just a hardcore, yeah, the girl's growing up. Right. Got you. It's a metaphor. And daddy's little girl better not grow up and right. bang dudes. That's right. That's yeah. absolutely exactly. Okay, so uh, then they talk about this, their experiences, and like, hey, it's all the same thing as this clown, even though it doesn't appear to a clown as uh, them. They figure out that, you know, with the help of the historian, which is now the fat new kid instead of the African-American kid, um, that uh, this this thing must be using the sewers to move around. We need to take this out before it kills any more kids. Uh, let's go to this house where the well is, and it's an old boarded up house. Uh, so they go into this house like idiots. Oh, wait, I have to, yeah, I'm sorry. Ahead. Please stop. I know I'm making this longer than it is, but my favorite sequence in the movie actually takes place right before this when they're in the garage. Okay, I got to tell you, I went to go pee during the scene, so I oh, want you God. to fill me in because I came okay. back to uh, the end of this, so please okay. entertain me so as well. They, they're they flipping through images of, of dairy from the past. Oh, right. The, the map to sort of figure out where the sewers run and that's where they figure out that the house is the epicenter of everything. All the sewers run to this house, and they look mm-hmm. at this old map, and they overlay it, and that's also where the old well was. Um, it's so they, like projector, uh, right? Projector exactly. on a wall. Yeah. They figure out that that's where As we it, all did in the 80s. Yes. <laughs> we all got our projectors <laughs> together. Um, put slides and then, in. The, yep. then the, this is from one of the trailers where the, the yep. projector starts flicking through. Right. It's family, it's family photos of, from, like, uh, Bill's family, you know, Georgie's in it and everything. And as they flip faster and faster, and as they flick, um, Bill's mom has red hair and her face turns into Pennywise essentially. And it's a freaky moment. And I, I it's effective. It was in the trailer. It didn't surprise me. Right. But then, then like Pennywise just shows up and he's, he's like gigantic sized. Um, and he just comes right through with the projector screen. Yeah. Kind of like I, that one movie. What was it? The curse or the, yeah, I don't know. Comes out of the TV screen. What was the that? ring? The ring. That's ring. Yeah, but this 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 mo- this scared the crap out of me. Like this was one of the moments where I was like, didn't expect it. I thought it was surprisingly effective. When even when I'm describing it, it doesn't sound like it should be. But in the theater, I was legitimately scared. Like it was, and it was a bit of a jump cut too. But it was just creepy looking. There was something about the perspective. Of him being I, that I agree because I came back in with him crawling out of the screen and the way they filmed it looked at not real, but you know what I mean? It looked disturbing. It looked scary. It looked, yeah, it somehow was it was scary and disturbing. More so than yeah, that like the, with the, it looking up as he's coming out. Like uh, you saw like a low. side profile part of, part of, of it, like it's the garage. It's a small tight yeah, space. Yeah, they can't escape. Uh, and and they, so he's wall size. He's the size of a wall, and he's just coming right out at them and it's Okay. They're screaming, trying to get out, and uh, there's something about know. his movement or the light that that yes. that is just weird. It's just off, yeah, and it works. It does it was, work for sure. It was probably the scariest moment of the movie, and I me. missed most of it. 
<laughs> Thanks, Carter. All right, so basically, we I, I want to I don't want to cut you off, uh, Jeff, but I do want to no, like it. speed this along. No. So, so the kids get together, they decide, hey, we got to go into the scary house. So it's like a scary house thing, and of course, like, uh, hey, only three of us are going to go in for some reason. So mm-hmm. three of them get in, and they get separated. They all have like their little like weapons, like. But of course, they get separated, and uh, the it monster fucks with each one of them. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the kid that's the uh, hypochondriac, like, falls through the floor and just breaks his arm. And he's kind of like, you know, uh, he gets attacked by the clown, but the other kids from outside that were like keeping like watch, and the yeah. uh, other kids, and they all they go through their individual scares and traumas. I don't want to rehash all that. But they confront the clown, and the girl like stabs him, and he recedes, uh, and they get think, out of there. Right? Not to not to Please, prolong it yeah, anymore, but, but I think there's one important moment to to note, and that is at one point when they're facing Pennywise, and what I really like that Pennywise is literally about to eat Stan, or I think is it Stan? No, uh, it's um. Oh, what's his name? The hypochondriac kid's face. Yeah, he He's has his teeth about to over his face. Yeah. 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 Which is good because you want to get the feeling that this thing is actually. Oh, oh, yeah. And at this them, moment, right? and I, I hate to interrupt you, Jeff, but like uh, the main kid, like uh, Bill yes. or whatever, this he comes what I, over and he goes, I was gonna say. he goes, you're not, you're not real. You're just our fears and imagination. And he's like, this isn't real enough for you. Right. Oh, I'll make it real uh, enough for you. And I'm like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. And at that moment, they should have killed a child. Like that would have scared the shit out of me as a like uh, um, as a audience going. But they don't. They pull back. This is a really good point because first of all, the reason I was bringing this up is because it hints it hints at where Pennywise, where it gets its strength from, and it gets its strength from fear, right? right? Which is why it's manifesting as their worst fears. Um, but it's it's a criticism of both the book and the film and the miniseries. In that it is this all-powerful thing. It can do whatever. Right. Um, it doesn't kill any of the kids. Right. In fact, like it, it eventually hires the town bully to do it. To do its dirty right. work for it. What? Just stupid. Yeah. yeah. What? And that's that's in the novel. I have a I have a very good friend who's who like likes the book, but she's like, why the hell is this all-powerful like transdimensional being just like? not wiping these kids out at any point in time. A part of it you, you're supposed to think is because it's literally feeding off their fear. Because he needs time, them to be yeah, alive. Yeah, but at the same but time, he could have killed afraid. one kid and, it, and it permeated all kids. sorts so like, of fear. Right. Yeah. So it's, or, it's ju- or just, yeah, feed on a group of kids slowly one by one over yeah, and over and over exactly. again, right? So it's definitely a fault a little bit of the film. Right. Um, so, I like, think. the storytelling is trying to kind of, like, feed that in for you, like, other kids have died. But I, I really feel like we needed one of the kids in the circle to get murdered here. And I feel like mm-hmm. it would have yeah, made and there it are real other, for There me. are other people that we see get murdered. Like yeah, like see, a, a bully henchman gets murdered. Right. Uh, and and there like, references there's references girl who goes missing and she shows up in the haunted house and her like legs are missing. So there's definitely like people that it kills. Um but it's right. very convenient that like yeah, no that kids. not on camera killed. and all that shit. Anyway, right. so like the other kids from outside come together, they band together, they beat it back. They like stab it with something like a whatever, a a, a spike from like a the fence. fence post, yeah, I fence think. post or something. A, sli- a slinky. Right. Yeah, they attack it with it. Yeah. Right. So then they all they all retreat and then you know they they all try to like forget about everything 
uh, you know, over the course of the summer. So it's all, you know, it it's all when they're kids. They all try to forget about things, and then somehow they all come together. Jeff, if you have that off the top of the dome, you can remind me. But anyway, they decide, hey, we need to take care of this. Uh, we we got to finish the job, and somehow they get everybody on board, and like kind of like a magnificent seven. We all got to go down in the sewer and and fight it where it lives. Do you have anything okay. to contribute to there, Jeff? Like how they no, that's pretty. To do that's it? pretty much it. I mean, they, so they, is they this, literally. This- is it is it now 2017? No, no. It's this is all flipped. when they're kids. Yeah, unlike the, unlike oh, this the is still kids stuff. Okay. Series, this is all when they're kids. This is kind of like the gotcha. end of the summer. So like they're getting ready to go back to school, and the beginning of this movie started the beginning of the summer. Okay. Okay. So uh, they all decide they need to go down into um, the, the well now. And as, I just I have to just throw in the, that in between all of this is the scene the where bully. it shows it shows up and. And the bully, who is slowly going insane, um, you know, he basically just convinces him to kill his horrible cop dad, which he does, right. and to go to go kill the other kids, which he agrees to do. Um, so he hires the town bully to do his dirty work. Um, but I, I, I even thought that sequence was effective. Yeah, um, it was uh, because it was very also, mundane too. It was there's stuff there's stuff always on TV. That All is right. always suggesting Pennywise in the background, yeah. which I thought was a nice touch. Yep. Um, and this scene fed into that too. So it was, yeah, yeah it, it fed into that old, like omnipresent, like it, it was. It, it felt it's like everywhere, everywhere. And it also fed into that complacency, right? Where the, everywhere, this awful <laughs> shit is like trying to get into your brain, and yeah. like people are just accepted. People are like, oh, this is awful, like children's programming that Penny, exactly. you know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the, gotcha. the, mm-hmm. the 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 bully has now been crazy and can, like co-opted by Pennywise, and he's going to kill the kids. Anyway, so they break into the house again. They find the well, this ancient well from like it was like the first thing that Derry had, like the first, like I guess yeah, okay. back when they gave the Indians smallpox or whatever, they built a well, and that's when <laughs> Pennywise moved in. So in the basement of this <laughs> yeah. old creepy house is the well. They start to go down it. All of a sudden, the bully shows up and tries to kill uh, Mike, who's the uh, the African American kid, and they get into a tussle. The bully falls down the web, presumably to his death. I think it'd bring him back, but that kid should be dead. He like fell like a hundred feet or he whatever. Should be dead. Yeah. So anyway, so they go down to the uh, well, and uh, you know, a couple kids get. Um, uh, separated mainly the girl oh yeah the reason they decide that's right the reason why they decide to go back down as the Magnificent Seven is the little girl uh, gets confronted by her father and her father like uh, she stands up to him and like bashes his head in he's about to like uh-huh. full on rape her and she bashes his head in with the uh, toilet uh, lid the thing that holds the uh, water whatever and yeah. and he he goes down and immediately Pennywise grabs her like in a moment where you think she's overcome her fear she's confronted her father mm. and she's like never again will you touch me and she defeats uh. him and pu- she turns around and it's a jump scare Pennywise right there and he grabs her anyway so the kids that's why they go like right. a punishment to her you're you can't overcome your right, fear right exactly like right. you think well, you've overcome your fears automatically makes sense right. because as she can, as she defeats one fear. He's he's freaked out and right. just goes, oh, I don't think so, and like grabs mm-hmm. her. Yeah, he 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 now feels wounded. Right, exactly, way. because right. once again, mm-hmm. her dad is somehow an extension of Pennywise, as yeah. the mm-hmm. whole town is. Um, right. So, so she, so Pennywise grabbed her. That's why they're going down. So they 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 finally meet up with her, 
and she's like in a catatonic state floating and that's the thing is like they all float down here and i did like that that like all the bodies of all the children were kind of like floating in this when they get to pennywise's den it's like this box car of this like victorian age circus which i guess was where he got the clown idea from or the clown that's where he first embodied it and it's like all this children's toys and this circus riffraff built into yeah. a pile and I like that stuff. I, I wasn't so I wasn't so hot on the kids literally floating in the air. Yeah, um, whatever. Of course he always, the big line is like you'll float down here. Um, Instead of being a like, metaphor, you will literally float. Yeah. They'll defy oh, gravity. Oh right. But, but he also, I mean, the the you'll point, float too. Right, right. The point is that uh, he eats them. So why? Why are they yeah, all? I, like, I don't understand that. It's it's one of those, it's just like the alien thing. It's just like do aliens eat people or just use them for cocoons? Oh, I don't understand. Right. It's a whole conversation. But yeah, um, yeah, like he he needs to feed, and he even says that at some point. So anyway, the kids confront him, and it's a it's a battle, and the battle is kind of like suspenseful, but it's not really scary. And he's shape shifting and morphing, and you know, appearing as. Uh, eventually, well, he appears as Georgie. Georgie, um, he appears as Georgie and confronts moment. the main the character and says, "You know, yeah. you were missing, you know, missing me." And then the main character has like, "You think he's gonna whatever bend, but he's just like, you're not Georgie." And then he holds the uh, sheep killing, uh, you know, like the Javier Bardem pressure gun, pressure yeah. gun from uh, whatever No Country for Old oh, Men. Yes, and he just okay, shoots yep. his little brother in the head with this oh, thing. Wow. And and it's like a moment where there's suspense where you think it might be his little brother, but you don't really think it's his little brother. You know it's the clown Ooh. because like right. yeah, well, but it's still happening to the child right. visually. So, so yeah, yes. so so his you know it's a very momentous thing, and I feel like it worked. And then it turns into the clown, and the clown's hurt, and they all push him down, and he recedes into a hole. They think he's mortally wounded. They think they he's won. Um, yeah. And they, you know, they go up. They, they and they also they like verbally confirm that uh, not being afraid of it is its weakness essentially, right. and that's that, that's how they're able to defeat it. Yeah, or at yeah. least scare it off. Mm-hmm. And and then when they get up, they're like, "Hey, if it's not really dead." Let's make a blood pat, and they all cut themselves and hold hands and say, "Hey, if it ever comes back, we'll uh, we'll all come back to defeat it." And then it cuts to there's more stuff, but it cuts to the end, and it says, "You know, Stephen King's It, Chapter One," alluding to the fact that there will be a sequel. Might as well just said to be continued. Uh, yeah, and and you know that's that's basically it and i forgot to mention there's like a little love triangle between the the chubby new kid and the main character for the girl's affection yeah right which Hmm. which surprisingly worked for me i think so too because i like the uh new kids on the block so the the chubby kid likes new kids on the block and the the girl knows this and he's incredibly afraid of anybody else finding out and the the girl teases letting everybody know uh, and kind of like holds it over, lords it uh, over him. And it's just like their little secret, which I feel sells the, their relationship a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's some nice cute stuff between the three of them, especially, but it never, the nice thing too, is that you never get the sense that the two, the two guys like hate each other at any point no. because of their feelings for her. Like they're still friends. And, they're still friends and they're, they're kind of like, you know, they don't know what they're doing and they're just like, and right. I guess, and and there is, you know, there's a moment too where they all go like swimming in their underwear, and the the guys, you know, leer at her 
in her underwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of like this. Yeah, there's no like animosity there. It's just like, uh, but Jeff, uh, yeah, Jeff, can you tell us what happens in the book that they left out of the movie involving the girl? <laughs> Do I have to? Yes, because Rico, really do you know what this is about? Uh, I don't think okay. so. Okay. Oh god. So, so in he, the book, at some I, point, yeah, Jeff, all right, yeah, ahead. you explain it. Right, I, really I never read the book, but every review I've I've heard, and this has come up several times. At some point, and they they don't remember it. They kind of like remember it later as adults, but the girl has sex with each one of the boys, each one of the what? seven Losers Club kids when they're all 12 to like wow. bond them together and like to defeat, it. To defeat yeah. the thing. It's just like we're all one entity. We can't. And I and I kind of see where Stephen King's going with this as far as well, like jealousy and like possessive, well, maybe possessive love. It's, it's a, it's a coming of age story, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's very much about them becoming adults to a certain extent, right? And so it, hit, it hits on that theme pretty freaking hard, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it really I mean, goes like, for it. It's, it's really goes for it, and in some ways, like when I first read it when I was a teenager, I loved it. I thought it. I thought uh. it. Was, I thought it was effective. It was powerful. It was gross, but it, but like. It definitely worked. As an adult, looking back on it, it's just gross. It's just mm-hmm. it's just the grossest part of the book. I wish you hadn't have written it. I wish it didn't exist because it really kind of tarnishes the whole thing, and yeah, just doesn't work. It's just too much. It goes too far, and even and the descriptions especially because it's King, so everything has to be incredibly detailed. It's just way too much. Well, um, too for this female character that, like, what are right. we supposed to right. feel about her? Where if if he's trying to say, well, she, is she doing this for some altruistic reason? But it's still just depravity. The stuff yeah. with her as an adult too is even worse because she ends up with this really abusive husband, which I, I guess you're supposed to think it's like the cycle of abuse. Father, right. Right. right? That that's there's problems there too. Um, but that aspect of the book is definitely the the most unfortunate, I would say. Um, especially since when they're adults, they uh, spoiler alert, they defeat it again, and they they don't do that. So it's right. kind of like why like, is why this, is there, this here? Of? Yeah, and and once again, it 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 definitely minimizes <laughs> the the girl's value as just a member of the team, and more just objectifies her as you know the cum dumpster. Like that, we can right. all we can all bond over. Oh, well, she's that, got daddy that, issues. So that being said, I do take whatever. issue a little bit with the movie using her as a damsel in distress at the end, like that. Yeah, exactly. I feel and, like that was kind of a fucked up plot point because that's not in the book, right? No, not at all. So, not like, the movie is doing, way of doing. We'll do this instead of that. Yeah, I, I, I guess, so. but like, it's also equally not equally, but it's also very disturbing that you know. They are going to use the girl in the group as an object, uh, but this time, yeah. and not a sexual object, but just something, a you plot know, device. Uh, yes, plot a plot device. device, something that needs rescuing that doesn't have agency on her own, and the boys have to go rescue her. So I feel like it's it's also damaging in a completely different way than making I, her the cum dumpster. Especially well, since she's probably the toughest one of all of them. Yeah, and she um, has to be. Like, because she's yeah, facing more adult. Right. I, I will say, like, preparing for your bar mitzvah and getting scared of, like, a little, like, uh, painting, that's different than your dad fucking molesting you. It's, oh, it's completely night yeah. and day I as mean, far as, like, adult. To, you're supposed to think Stan is a little bit more of an outcast than he probably appears to be 
in in the. I feel like the, they didn't do a good job with Stan. Um, I agree. I, I, I agree. Stan, Stan is the Jewish kid that's going through his bar mitzvah, and he's okay. kind of like ostracized. But like, he doesn't have enough personality to like flesh that out. I don't think, and and he doesn't in the uh, miniseries either. I don't know if he does in the. Books. No, I agree. I, I think that both movies shortchange Stan because he's the one who, spoiler alert, ends up deciding not to come back. Um, oh, right. and I think that I don't think that the movies quite know how to handle that decision a little bit. Whereas the, the novel, you definitely miss his presence as an adult, which is to its credit. I think, um, mm-hmm. he's not fleshed out. Of a yeah. Character. He's not fleshed out in the miniseries or in this movie. I will feel like you could easily drop him from both situations and like, yeah, like I wouldn't miss yeah. him much. Yeah. All right. So having said all that, uh, Rico, what do you think? Okay, well, so hold on. Okay, so they win, and then at the end, we yeah, do, are they we shown a, that have, no. it is still alive, no. or is it just there's, like it's over? The credit they won. Supposedly, there's a laugh at the end of the credit sequence. I didn't stick around for it. I don't. I don't oh. stick around for credit sequences anymore. Jeff, yeah. did you? No, he didn't even stick around for this podcast. <laughs> Jeff, are you still there? Sorry, I was did for a second there. Um, I, uh, I watched it on YouTube and they sing that little song that he sings. The kids singing like lemons and oranges or whatever, the circus song. Okay. And then you hear Pennywise's laugh and it's definitely meant to think that he's going to come back. Well, the fact I, that it says chapter one at the end right. should be enough. Right. You don't need to stick around cool. to hear like Pennywise laugh. You're like, okay, it's not any, over. Any movie that ends with a, a bunch of kids pledging to come back. If yeah, it comes like, back, exactly. You know course, where it's yeah. going. Like it's yeah. very clearly setting up something. So. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious. To put a bow on this movie, um, I think it uh, works. I think it works as a self-contained thing, which is one of the things. Uh, yeah, that I and that's that I I will agree with that 100. percent This could have been, and I think that's why they did it this way. Is like if the movie wasn't profitable, uh, this could be its own thing, and it doesn't need mm-hmm. to continue. You know, it's kind of like right. the first Star Wars. Like they they get medals, and you think, oh, medals, great. That's it. Sure. <laughs> that's that's the end of this yeah. whole thing. <laughs> yeah, the Death Star's blown up. Sure. We're yeah, that's it. Chewy. Everything's over. Chewy and metal for some reason. Poor dog. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but would has this intrigued you to You're just try and eat it, the idiot? <laughs> would this would this get you to see this movie? Uh um yeah i mean i definitely like what i will say when i said i was on the fence about this was that the trailer at least the very first trailer was very effective for me like it's kind of spooked me a little and i went oh this seems genuinely like it could be scary um and so and so i was as i was definitely interested and, you know, the quality of it seemed good. Uh, and so, you know, hearing this and hearing that it was good, yeah, it definitely pushes me, yeah, towards saying, yeah, sure, I'll watch it. It's um, it's really well made. I, I, it's well directed, I think. Like, I think the guy, and I don't really, I'm not super familiar with the director, but I think he gets how to make creepy stuff. And one of the things he does a lot is he obscures the visuals a little bit. Um, like for example, like Pennywise is in the shadows a lot and, um, you don't completely see it. Um, the same thing with the kid coming down the stairs, like you get glimpses of it, but you don't see the full thing until moments later. There's a lot of stuff like that that are just sort of hinted at. And it's the same sort of thing that we were talking about in the beginning about the VHS boxes and your imagination doing a lot of the work for you. Um, he uses that to his advantage a lot, I think. And that that's really effective. Um, 
I would and agree with that. Uh, it's funny. The characters are good and the kids are funny and they're funny together. And that helps a lot too. We didn't really talk a lot about that, but um, that's a big part of it. No, they, they definitely seemed, uh, they seemed like, uh, you know, not real, but like you enjoyed spending time with the kids. Um, right. Their, their relationship was convincing enough, right. especially for child Absolutely. actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah. I will yeah. say like, I could tell like it had like some things from other modern horror movies that I don't find fun, like scary, like interjected oh, with, time, inside it. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree with that. Every single time it like came at them. Right. It, it well, was, yeah, they I, did this like thing where uh, they did like the choppy, the choppy yes. frame rate. Oh, where, like okay. things exactly. like somebody's they moving faster. Yeah, they pulled like, out. Yeah, they pulled out every right. third frame or every yeah, other. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I, every single time they did that, I it was just like, nope, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, they, to be fair, they do it like four or five times. Yeah. Um, yeah. We like this movie, guys. That's the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want you to think we didn't like this movie, but we, you know, we have criticism. But overall. Uh, you know, one of the better movies I've seen this year, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked it. Nice. All right, y'all. Too, I think, you, know, you can get a, a movie with kids that, that isn't completely awkward, and you're just going, oh, these child actors are rough to watch, then that in and of itself is an accomplishment. So, I'll, Who I'll, was your favorite kid? My favorite kid? Yeah. Um, probably the actress who plays Bev does a really great job. Um, and that, that character can be, it can be rough because her previous manifestations in the book and in the, in the miniseries weren't, weren't the best. Um, and despite some of the issues I have with, um, what they do with her in the plot, how she becomes a damsel in distress. Like I, I really thought the actress was great. Uh, and the kid who plays Richie, who's also the kid from stranger things. I thought he did a great job being like the group wise ass. Um, so they're, they're probably my favorites. Um, but all, all the kids are good. They do a really great job. Um. Yeah, I was I was impressed with with who they got. Uh, it, it's it's kind of refreshing too that like you really don't know anybody. There's no stars. Like there's no there's no big names anywhere, and that actually helps too. I think it helps make it more real and more scary. Um, right. In fact, the only one who really knows the the stranger kids kid, and that's it. And that that helps sort of like sell it. I think a little bit. Um. Which which uh, Stranger Things actor is it? What was he in Stranger uh, Things? I, I think he's the main kid in Stranger Things, but he's like the that gets jokester taken? kid. No, not the kid that gets taken, right? He's like the older brother? Or the... the, yeah. the, the I don't remember. I forget their names. It's been a while yeah. since I've seen it. Been a while. Um, right. I'll look it up. Not the black kid, not the kid with the teeth missing. Right. And trying to think of the like other one. There's like two other yeah. ones, right? Right. <laughs> One of the other anyway, two. he pl- he shows range because he plays like a more like he plays like the goofy wisecracking kid in this movie, and I think he didn't do that at all in Str- Stranger Things. So, right. Mike Wheeler in Stranger. Mike, Things. right? Got you. Yep, yep. I remember now. Um, so one thing I'll ask in you talking about the frustration with the female and how she's damsel in distress. Um, but you're also saying that she's the strongest character in a way. Uh, is that why do you think they chose to take her not as her being a weakness, but as removing her from the group made the group weaker? It bonded them for sure. You, you can totally get, like we said, it makes sense from Pennywise's point of view. Um, she, she defeats this, thing that she's afraid of her her father and especially what he plans to do with her and then pennywise comes and takes her because of that but again 
the, the, the thing, the thing about Pennywise's plan is that he's apparently like saving up all these kids so he can hibernate. Like it's a bear kind of right. Right. But like he also eats the kids. So it's very unclear. Like, is he fattening himself up or is he just saving them all? And so all he does is he takes her and he just like throws her into her like, you know, weird hypno state where she's floating. Um, and that, and by the way, also she sees a vision of them as adults in the sewers and it's like, Hmm, I wonder what that's all about. Right. right? But like, I, she should just be dead. Like, I hate to say it, but right. like if she's going to be kidnapped, like she should be dead. Like the whole, the whole point just feels very thematically. It makes sense, but structurally it feels contrived. And the mm-hmm. fact that it's her and the fact that it's a woman, what I would have really liked is if it's actually bill that it takes if, cause bill bills also overcomes his fear of right. it. He point blank says, you know, I'm not afraid of you or this isn't real. And he kills and his and Georgie. He kills his little brother. Right. And Pennywise, and Pennywise, like, look, that's what Pennywise knows. Like, something's up with this kid. He's he's getting close to knowing its secret. And mm-hmm. so it would be great if if Pennywise like kidnaps Bill and maybe even kills Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, not to evoke another movie, but and that's what the kids kind of kind of group and and you know come together for to sort of find him and fight him. Sure, it would be no different than if the girls taken in that sense. Uh, right, yeah. but it, it would have made sense if his moment of clarity about what happened to Georgie came earlier rather than having it be the climax in the movie. Maybe it could have been first and then they, they rest him. But you know, it's, it's still an effective film. I understand why they made the change. I understand why they did what they did. Right. It doesn't make it the whole thing that work. It's just, the movie's got some flaws. That's all. I, I um, want, I want to say one thing and I can't believe we didn't mention it before. One of the best Stephen King adaptations is one that the person who took it on went as far away from the main structure as you can, or I feel like took the most liberties, and I would say that would be The Shining. The Shining. The Shining. It's The Shining, yeah. I get into an argument with this all the time, people who think, oh, it's a bad adaptation because it's not... Well, it probably is a bad adaptation, but it's probably a better story. It's a better movie. Yeah, it's a better experience. That's the thing. Sometimes a good adaptation for me isn't being faithful to the story. Uh, it's, right. It's literally in adapting it to the, well, pop, yeah, to making the different it medium. Like it's a yeah. different medium. Like uh-huh. this is my problem with like Shakespeare. Like we would read Shakespeare plays like in literature class. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is not the medium in which this was originally conceived. It was a conceived as a play. Like, uh, and that sounds, I, I know that might be a poor analogy, but like, you know, Oh, you're not wrong. Yeah. In, in how's a play to be consumed? Do you yeah, read the script a, or should you book? watch it perform? Yeah. Am I going to read a play mm-hmm. as if it's a book? Mm-hmm. And that's the way I feel like, uh, like, you know, it was, it was put, but, um, but yeah, I feel like they could have, it was a very good movie. I will say this was a very good movie. It could have been great, uh, with a few yeah. changes and a few bold, like, uh, you know, further diversions from the the movie or the the original story but i i give it a lot of credit for being both faithful to the novel or at least half of the novel in spirit for sure in spe- in spirit and also in plot like a lot of it's there's some changes obviously some good changes like the borgy um but like <laughs> for the most part it's pretty it's pretty straight on what happens in 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 the book you know with some updating and stuff here and there um but it still feels like it's its own thing and i give it a lot of credit for that because that's tough to do, I think. Like, King is always bad mouthing the shiny. He hates the shiny. He hates that it's so different from his book. 
But, you know, they made a they made a miniseries based on The Shining that's much more faithful to the Nobody novel. Nobody likes it. <laughs> it's horrible. It's so Was it like awful. one of the guys from Wings in that? Like not yeah. the funny oh, one who was in Sideways, yeah. but like one that's, of the no, Weber, yeah, he's he's Jack Torrance in the it's it's god awful. It's such a horrid, horrid miniseries. Well, that's the thing is like I think a lot of Stephen King stuff is I don't know how to describe it, but like psychological or surreal or like does a good job making the uncanny realistic right he describes it in a way that makes you buy it in your imagination but it's hard to pull off can't do that movies can't give you the details they can't get into your head right like a good piece of writing can um and so the best i think the best adaptations of his work kind of understand that they're never going to be able to do that and to try to be scary and effective in different ways. Um, right. The nice thing about this movie, I think, and the nice thing about the book is that I feel like it lends itself well to visuals, to vision, the scary visuals happening to kids. Certainly. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, the clown. Yeah, allows a pretty easy transition into film, at least. Exactly. Yeah, as yeah. a visual itself, and and something that's very uh, commonly kind of understood, anyways. Like it's not it's not a stretch. It's not like Pac Man's eating time, you and, know, yeah, or something. Right, right. Some other concept that you're going, uh, yeah, I, you know, clowns. You go, yeah, sure. It's not weird to be creeped out by a clown. And you remember that's last year before the election, like. Clowns appearing in like small towns right. was a thing. Like, like <laughs> yeah. it was a weird epidemic. <laughs> Remember that? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and then somehow, like was. right around, it just—I guess—it's built up to Halloween, and then just done completely. It's like this viral campaign for Halloween or something is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. didn't make a lot of sense, but whatever. All right, so uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, we've been talking quite a bit, and I—I I, I like this movie for certain. Um, but yeah, it's it's and I think that's why it's it's good is like uh it, there's a lot of stuff here to like explore and talk about because it's a coming of age story. So you got the stand by me kind of thing. Of course you got horror and clowns and like your fears, but you have like not only coming of age from like puberty, but also like childhood trauma, which we all have, you know, we, to varying degrees, uh childhood trauma and dealing with that. Uh it's just it's pretty good and you got this conformity thing. So there's lots to explore here. I feel like that there's like, a lot going on. There's yeah. a lot going on, and, and this movie handles most of it very well. So I agree. I agree. I, I, yeah. That's why this this movie is. I'm gonna give it four and a half top hats. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that. Out of up. How many top hats? <laughs> uh, like ninety. <laughs> Okay. Four and a half out of ninety, which is pretty good. Uh, you know, <laughs> if I would have given it uh, ten carrots, now that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't understand this rating method. Yeah, I, I don't want to give it a rating. I just want to say I thoroughly enjoy this movie. I'm just going to give it a thumbs up. Uh, go see cool. this film. Mm-hmm. All, right, All right, guys. Uh, so let's talk about promotion. Uh, Jeff, uh, Greater Boston. What's going on with that currently? Uh, we're on hiatus right now, but we are releasing hiatus minisodes every three weeks. Uh, yeah. the next, the next one comes out on, uh, Tuesday, the 26th. So check it out. It's called, you've got to be sitting me. Uh, hmm. it's about someone babysitting for another character's kid and they get into adventures. Uh, yeah. And, and when is, I didn't very well, but when does season three begin? Is it season three? 
Yes. When does that begin in earnest, or when is that planned? We don't know. <laughs> um, we're we're writing it. It's kind of slow going. We still have to record it. So next next year is all I'm going to say. Probably maybe February or March. Probably okay, March. Okay, but in between, but, you're going to be uh, dropping content like these mini yeah, episodes, we got right? Mini episodes every three weeks. Yep. Excellent. Uh, so that's Greater Boston. Check it out on App. Not yeah. It's what it's called. Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. No longer iTunes Podcast. No longer iTunes. So don't don't get that that. wrong or there'll be hell to pay. Uh, And Rico, (laughs) you still have Kylo's Corner going? Uh, Yeah, I haven't popped another one. I've got two out so far still only uh, and working on others, but it's it's installed. Kylo's Corner Uh, with a K for Corner, right? Yes. Kylo, yeah, K and K, Kylo's Corner. And, uh, yeah, Kylo, there's Kylo Ren, uh, the emo Sith wannabe, uh, reviewing movies and bitching about them and bitching about everything in general because that's what he is. So, here we go. Um, so there's that. And then, uh, Smoking Hot Nerds, uh, that I do on uh, very occasionally lately. Um, but that is out there. On SoundCloud, I think, maybe? Yeah, it's definitely on SoundCloud. That's where I found it when I searched for it. Okay, sweet. Yes, SoundCloud. And uh, what else? Oh, just recently, a very fun thing that kind of took me off of the Kylo work is... um, And Jeff also worked on this. uh, Crowdsource Boston was doing... had groups enter to recreate scenes from Back to the Future that will be strung uh-huh. together in a fan version where every scene is done by a different group. And so I worked on three different scenes. That sounds and pretty Jeff, good. Where is that? Uh, when is that going to be screened or compiled? Is that going to be online or is it going to be a brattle? Uh, it will uh, be put on YouTube. Online okay. eventually. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. But yeah, crowd, Crowdsource Boston. Rico did a really good job with one of the most challenging scenes from the movie. Um, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Is that the one Thank where uh, Marty McFly almost makes out with his mom? <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's actually the Libyan scene. Oh, the van, the shooting, the chase, all of that. Wow, okay. Leading up right before uh, he goes back in time. Oh, okay. All right. So that's pretty good, yeah. though. It's, yeah, it, it, I think someone dropped that scene, and so it was available very late. Said, gotta do it and then my last two weeks were a nightmare making miniatures and toys but it was very fun cool i do want to wrap this up but I, I, before we go i just have to ask since you brought up kylo's corner i have real fear about the next star wars movie and the star wars franchise in general with all these firing <laughs> so it's a, it's a combination of firing all these directors late into production uh, both on the han solo movie and on episode nine and the fact that the Force Awakens on rewatches doesn't hold up very well. Um, is a lazy remake. Yes, yeah. is a lazy remake, and I have real and like even like Rogue One, which I enjoyed the first time, uh, is not that it's not that great. Um, so I have real fears for the Last Jedi coming up. I don't know about you guys. What are your thoughts? I had such a adversion to Episode Seven that. Frankly, I was already kind of on the camp of screw what Disney's going to do, at least for the next 10 years, while they just nurse nostalgia right. and milk one of their nostalgia money. Um, so 
so frankly, <laughs> I'm probably sitting better looking at it going, I'm expecting garbage. So hell, if it's a little bit original and they try and they let artists do their job, then maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. It's not like it if they're, they're firing directors left and right, visionary directors. Yeah, all right. But let's be clear. These directors are shitheads. Yes, they're they shit are. I mean, directors. come on. Like, like they should have never been hired in the first right. place. Like if you don't, I, if you don't realize you're going to have to tone it back to make it, to make a fucking Star Wars movie, like I don't care who you are. Like I feel like if they would have gotten like um, Kubrick in there, he'd have been like, "Oh, well, this is Star. Wars. I get if I'm going to do this, I I feel he like would've, he would have never taken the job." I know, but I'm just saying, like, if you have like artistic integrity, you can't. Well, but it's also why did why did right. Disney why hire did the guys made movies? Then go, oh, we don't like that you're making this silly. It, it it's like, so well, you got the Lego guys. Right? What are you doing? Well, is that is that what happened? They fired him because they were making it silly. Yes, they yeah, were, I think it, it was, was too humorous. humorous is what I heard. We, too uh, much yeah, improvisation. Right. Too much Seth Green kind of like or Judd Apatow kind of like. You know the, the you know I made the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs. Isn't that like a you know measurement of whatever distance or time? No, it's just just it's, it's not time. Yeah. I really don't think anybody is going to salvage that Han Solo movie because no, I just it's think a it's, terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. It's, it's a fucking and like every, I don't want to see Han their, Solo as a kid or as a all, like all of their like all universe um, like spinoff movies sound awful because it's just stuff that we don't need rehash. Like do something different, do something yeah. original. It's I'm an opportunity more, to go off the wall in some other direction. Yeah. Get characters do whatever you know. I'm more optimistic actually about the next couple of main movies because um, I like the force awakens. I acknowledge it has a buttload of problems, um, but at the core of it, I like the new characters and I'm interested in seeing what happens with them. I'm really hoping that the next movie, and this is a big hope. I know kind of let's go of the shackles of the original trilogy. I hope so bit. too. That's, that's what it's all like this. The, the how this movie comes out is going to affect my outlook of star Wars in general going forward. I agree. I agree. It's got a lot of pressure on it. Um, and if it if it feels like the Empire Strikes Back, you know, redone, I'll be very disappointed, yep. and I'll pretty much be done with Star Wars until well, they, and the, until they learn their lesson and figure out like that what we really want is this universe, but good stories, original stories told in it, not the same rehash story over and over again. Right. I, I, and I want to say, going back, telling an original Han Solo movie. You cannot separate Han Solo from Harrison Ford. I'm sorry. Even though Harrison Ford went on to be Indiana Jones, another iconic person, it's like, let's make another Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. Uh, It reminds me of, remember when they had that rash of, let's make Jim Carrey movies without Jim Carrey, and you had like Dumb and Dumber... Dumb and Dumber, the or the whatever the mm-hmm. the sequel was, not when they brought right. Jim Carrey back, and then yeah, the, the mask, the, prequel. the yeah. mask too, the ma- the oh, mask right. is garbage. Number one, and the only <laughs> thing that makes it tolerable, what a hot property, yeah. is Jim Carrey. Like Jim Carrey brings something to that movie. Okay, so like without Jim Carrey, the property is bullshit. So I I want to say the same thing about Han Solo. All you're gonna have is somebody doing a Harrison Ford impression. Sure. And that was another reason why they were worried was, I think, that actor's performance. So tying in that it seemed a a little too funny. And then that, oops, he's he doesn't have the oil of, you know, Harrison Ford in the character that made him a star. You know, it's like, duh. Yeah, of course. Why would you put someone in that situation? It's lightning in a bottle. Like you can't make another charismatic young, you know, 
uh, scoundrel. Like, and if you but also do that, you gotta, you gotta get one that's established. You can't get like some new kid and just like, oh, maybe see what he can do with it. Right. Yeah. It's uh, so whatever. <laughs> In a, yeah, I don't know. I guess Ron Howard will, you know, he'll massage it and make it something, and he'll make it. He'll make, make it palatable. He'll make it boring. Right. He'll make it a boring, boring movie. Boring, we'll but palatable. I think that's movie. what I'm worried about is is that Disney will not allow anything that isn't safe, and so. Yeah, it's really disappointing. They have they have a property they could make a ton of money on, no matter what, and they're they're playing it way too safe and they could I but they it. but there's room for both there's room for playing it safe I with agree. like the main you make you make the main like movies the episode whatever seven eight nine you make them safe and then you say hey this is the alt universe you do some like there's some crazy there's lots of fucking the universe is so rich you could go in any goddamn direction and then you know if it doesn't work telling, out no big deal i was telling rico about my idea for uh, Star Wars movie, you, like I'd like to see the other day, where it's basically just like space drunks, where they're just hanging out in the can- cantina and they're all just like alcoholic aliens, just like, you know, it's like Trees Lounge right. in the cantina where they're just, you know, they have to save the bar and they, you know, steal some credits from the ship, but it ends up just being a bunch of like nerf hurting like crates or something. Like <laughs> they, 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 they stole the wrong things, yeah, yeah, so they didn't get the money. My idea like, is like uh, Apocalypse Now, only a Jedi just you know, goes rogue and is being worshipped in the jungle or a jungle planet, let's say, and then right. has to get brought to justice by you know some young, you know, so, new recruit. So you guy. don't you don't want them rehashing Star Wars plots. You just want them rehashing. <laughs> no, no. I had I had a whole flesh out thing. I'm giving you the elevator pitch. Okay, I got you. Okay. You know, I, I would obviously bring more to it than just like a strict like retelling of another story. I have another one where I'm, Dracula. <laughs> Dracula's lightsaber. <laughs> well, what Star Wars? I think what I like about Star Wars is when it can kind of dip its toe in other genres. So right. I, I, I'm more okay with that. It That's again why. Uh, Good. No, we're talking over each other, but it's a pastiche of lots of different sci-fi and like even like Japanese cinema. Like it's just got this all these different elements in at its core. And the first movie I'm talking about, the original movie. Um, so that makes sense. Like it's Joseph Campbell 101, right? Just like take right. the hero's journey. Right. It's, it's boring paint these. by numbers, but like somehow it's, yeah, it's right. amazing. Yeah. Like somehow it, it like it resonates like some like I don't know why. Like it shouldn't. And I remember a snacks was telling me is like if you watch the first movie, like it doesn't really stand out that much from like other sci fi of the time. Um, but I don't know. Like somehow it does. Like somehow it's just this There's, magic sauce. There's something magical in it. Right. Yeah, it's true. All right, guys, we've been talking for way too long. This was a, a podcast about the <laughs> Stephen King movie, uh, It. <laughs> by the way. Yeah, what was this about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. This, this I think we've taken, we've taken like two months off here, and it probably might be another two months for the next uh, podcast. But we appreciate you listening. Uh, once again, thank you to uh, Jeff Andreessen of Greater Boston, and thank you uh, again to Rico uh, from uh, Kylo's Corner and Smoking Hot Nerds. Uh, thank you very much, guys, and we will see you whenever. Take care. Thank you, Doug. Bye. See you in 27 years when it needs to <laughs> feed oh, again. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a giant spider. Spoiler alert.